BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. You've eaten horse, haven't you? Yes. Was, I, did, you, uh, did you have? A, was it like a sausage? Did you have a horse sausage? No, it was a steak. What did it taste like? It tastes like meat. Yeah, it would do. Just me, or did Catherine Boyle sound a bit annoyed there? What was what's going on? What did something happen to her? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show this morning. Wasn't it foggy coming in? Oh, I, do you know, I nearly thought, ah, I can't be bothered. <laughs> I did. I was in the car, driving on the M1. I thought, ah, you know what? I really can't be bothered today. But I was bothered. Partly because I'm contractually obliged to be bothered and I don't want to give David Priva any more work. So I'm in. I don't. He's doing very well out of us at the moment, isn't he? So I'm in, and I'm glad to be in, because we have lots and lots of things to talk about. As always, it'd be nice to get your opinion, please. I'll give you the contact details in a bit. Some of the things coming up in the next hour include... Families in Luton say they'll go to court to fight plans to force them out of the homes they rent. Find out why, and whether there's anything they can do next... Now, you remember the fire at the recycling plant near the M1, out on the outskirts of St Albans, started in November? Well, guess what? It's still burning. I said it would take months. The fire brigade said it might be out in a week. I said, no, months. I know more than the fire brigade. Yes, I do. Well, our uh, reporter, Justin Dealey, will be there to find out what's going on. And, as you heard in the news, horse DNA has been found in some beef burgers being sold in UK supermarkets. Will it put you off buying cheap meat? I don't see the problem. Meat is meat is meat, isn't it? A cow's the same as a sheep is the same as a horse is the same as a dog. It's all meat. It's just whether, you know, whether it's farmed or not. Lots of ways to get in touch. Uh, Facebook was, was in near meltdown yesterday. I had an email from Mark Zuckerberg asking us to calm down a little bit. But we shall not. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Do you remember Tom from MySpace? I feel sorry for Tom. Because it's all Mark Zuckerberg now. You know, remember Tom? Tom? Tom was everyone's MySpace friend. Remember MySpace? It was a bit like Friends Reunited, but a little bit better. Anyway, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Uh, you can send us a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or all of the lines are free. So why don't you give us a phone call? 08459 555555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Do you remember Tom from MySpace? You remember MySpace? Do you remember it? It was like really exciting when it started, I don't know, what, ten years ago. Um, and Tom was everyone's friend. Tom basically was ran MySpace, I think. He owned it. <laughs> he must be crying into his instant coffee now. Coming up, uh, families in Luton say they'll go to court to fight plans to force them out of the homes they rent near Junction 11 of the M1. The properties were bought by the Highways Agency around 20 years ago and it's now planning to sell them. A notice to quit is due to be served on 30 houses, including one rented by Nicola Foskett in Halfway Avenue. I feel dreadful about this, being thrown out of my house. I've already collapsed last two weeks. I've got a big cut on my head. I'm just dealing with loads of stress with this. I can't get a deposit together. I think we're all going to be out by April. I don't want to lose my neighbours. I love my neighbours. They're always there and helping me all the time. And we help each other. And we know that we've got people we can rely on each other. There's going to be loads of people without houses. They're all families. They're all going to be chucked out. I was told by the people that come round to inspect the houses that I was told that as long as I didn't do anything wrong we, I could stay forever and then when I moved that's, we're going to be the last tenants and then they're going to sell 
So whether they've twisted their words, I don't know. How much of a blow is it? I just feel sick. I just feel physically sick. You can tell by my voice. I don't. It's not good. What options do you have? Um, A one-bedroom bedsit. I mean, I know I've got a three-bedroom house and I'm single, and I understand that the government will be taking rooms off of my money for for the subsidised for the rooms, which is fine. I'm fine with that. But I don't want to lose my home, my house, my neighbours. You know, I'm ill most of the time anyway. And I've always got my neighbours to rely on, and that's it. It's just caused unnecessary stress to everyone. Well, there you go. That um, Sorry, look, I'm, oh, my computer's gone a little bit funny. There we go. We'll hear more from some of the residents affected later on in the programme. The Highways Agency says it was legally obliged to buy the homes and land under the motorway widening scheme, but denies they were brought by compulsory purchase. It sounds a bit like a legal minefield, so let's talk to Jean Howe, who is a chartered surveyor and partner with Kirby and Diamond in Luton. Morning, Jean. Good morning. How common is this situation where tenants can be uprooted from the homes they rent? Uh, well, it's extremely common. If uh, if they occupy a house under what's called an assured short-hold tenancy, which is uh, the main way that landlords let residential properties, any landlord can give the tenant a notice to quit within two months asking for their property back. It's very common. Does the local authority have any powers to intervene? Uh, Not as far as I know, and certainly not if it was a compulsory purchase situation, no. The Highways Agency says in in a statement it was legally obliged to buy the houses and land, as it may have been difficult for the original owners to get a fair price for them because of the M1 uh, widening scheme. So uh, it it does all sound like a compulsory purchase, doesn't it? Well, I, I certainly acted for some properties that were what we call blighted by the proposals and um, on the ones that I acted on we required the highways agency to buy them but it is under compulsory purchase law uh, that uh, they buy them if you can't sell them to anybody else at what is considered to be a market value because of the proposals. The residents obviously very upset and uh, uh, struggling to come to terms with this but they would have known all this, wouldn't they? They would have known that this was a possibility at some point. Oh, ab- well, absolutely. If if the tenancy agreement that they occupied under is is an assured short-hold tenancy, it would make it very clear that they ha- can give a certain period of notice to leave and that the landlords can give the tenants a certain period of notice to leave. It's It's very normal. And why does the highways agency have to sell off the properties now that motorway work is done? Uh, well, once once the scheme has been finished, and if you remember, the the original idea was to widen the the motorway mm. with an extra lane either side, and so certainly some of the gardens and some of the the dwellings would have had the um, the motorway fencing sort of within about a meter of their back walls. And so those those um, properties were obviously going to be very severely affected by the then scheme. Now, they subsequently changed that scheme mm. and went to the um, slipway running or the um, emergency lane hot running, as they call it. So they didn't actually widen the motorway as much as they were going to originally. And it is now a government requirement that all agencies have to um, sell off what properties are deemed to be surplus uh, to their their needs. 
And so as they've got no need for these properties anymore, the, the works to the M1 10, 10 to 12 is now uh, completed almost. Um, they, they're under a duty to the government to actually sell off that, and they have to be offered back to the people that they bought them off in the first place, as in the first scenario. Um, but if they don't want them, which with houses, well, people have moved on, hmm. um, then then they go to the open market. Jean, thank you very much. Jean Howe, Chartered Surveyor, partner with uh, Kirkby and Diamond in Luton. Give us a call. We'll be talking about this horse meat situation recently. Has it put you off eating meat? Has it made you reconsider your dietary habits? 08459... Four double five, five double five. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It was cold this morning, wasn't it? Let's let's be honest. It's flipping cold. Uh, I've got thick socks on. I've got proper thick hiking socks on. Get a couple of days wear out of those at least. Yes, yes, yes. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now a fire which broke out at a wood recycling plant near the M1 on the outskirts of St Albans. It's been burning for two months. I remember when the firemen came on and oh, I'd be gone in a week, two weeks. I said, oh, it'll be months. I know more than the firemen. And women, apparently, these days. Who'd have thunk it? An investigation is still underway into what caused the huge fire which started late on Saturday the 10th of November. At its height, Hart's firefighters were at the site around the clock with more than a 1,000 officers deployed there over a two-week period. A crew are now visiting once a day to inspect the site, which is still smouldering, to check whether it's flared up and needs damping down. Well, we've sent our fire correspondent Justin Dealey to the site with the District Commander for Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service, Ian Markwell. Justin, can you still see it burning then? Well, you can't see it burning, but I mean, it's it's amazing we're still talking about this. It's um, Apspond Lane, which is in St Albans by Junction 8 of the M1. But coming here this morning, you can still smell a fire. I drove past this in December and thought nothing of it, but again, coming back this morning, you can definitely smell it. As you mentioned, uh, Ian Markwell's with me. Ian, I'm not losing my mind. I can still smell a fire this morning, can't I? Uh, you certainly can, yes, it is still smouldering away, unfortunately. The uh, the huge pile of material we've been dealing with is down to the, the embers now, but it's still a very substantial pile of embers. So this started way back in November. When do you hope to, to clear this site and, and leave once and for all? If you're coming back once a day, but, but when do you hope to, to leave this site? Okay. Well, again, we've uh, we've given some more equipment to the site earlier this week. We've now got a tactic of trying to spread the material as thin as possible across the ground that's been cleared, and, and we're hopeful now that probably within the next week or two we can really now dampen down the worst of what's there and, and the operators on site are looking to try and remove the, the worst of the ash that's, that's left. Weren't we saying that back in mid-November? <laughs> uh, I'm afraid we were, yes, and then the worst of the fire is out, but it is uh, a smouldering pile that will still take some time to deal with. And is that because of weather conditions like wind? Is that why it's lasted so long? Uh, it, it, partly that, but it, it's mainly it's just it's a huge pile of burning material in I think as we discussed back in, in November and December, a large pile of wood like this does take some time to burn down and, and, and then eventually for us to, to finish off. So in terms of manpower then, how many people are actually coming back to this site? How many firemen are coming here day in, day out? At the moment we're carrying out daily inspections. We're, uh, we've provided a fair amount of equipment for the site to be using to actually apply water to the, what's left of the burning embers. And it is a single crew coming every afternoon coming in to, to carry out an inspection and to assist with the operation this week as well. So despite the fact you're here, as I look to my right-hand side, I can see the wood. It's a wood recycling plant. Is the site now fully reopened? 
Uh, as far as I'm aware, the site is actually taking material off-site, but nothing's being accepted on-site. So there's, there's a fair amount of operation going on, but it's removing material rather than accepting it. The cause, we heard things such as it could have been a firework. Again, any update on that for us? Uh, the fire investigation report has been completed, and that, that report has been sent out. Uh, and we've uh, ascertained that it was what well, we believe it to, to be the most likely cause, that it was accidental. A lot of people have questioned the location of this site. It's right next to a motorway. I think anybody back in November, December, driving on the motorway, would have seen it. It was a huge, huge burning fire. Do you think that this site should be closed down? It's the wrong location. There's been a fire here. It's time for it to go now. Well, certainly we raised concerns earlier in the year with, with the respective authorities that license and, and permit the site. Uh, we have next week got a multi-agency meeting that we've convened. It'll be chaired by one of our assistant chief officers where we'll be looking at all that we've learned from this particular fire and, and towards the future as to just what, uh, what needs to happen with the site. So are you confident if this site does stay open, this will never happen again? Uh, I wouldn't like to bet my life on it, it wouldn't happen again, but certainly we'll look to try and improve matters for, for all parties concerned, for all of the agencies involved and certainly for the local residents. OK, and just lastly, it must have been a, a major drain on your resources. You're still coming here right now. You've been here since November. That, that's a massive drain on manpower. Uh, we, it certainly was in the initial weeks. We have obviously um, tried to, to withdraw gradually away from the site. And, and currently having a crew calling in every day is, is obviously, as you say, some, some burden upon us. But it's something we're now trying to really deal with and put out as quickly as we can now. So we, we are sympathetic with what's going on for the local residents. Hopefully, fingers crossed, a couple of weeks then, Ian. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for your time. That's uh, Ian Markwell there from Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue. I can't believe we're still here, Ian. Mm. I mean, driving past the site, you wouldn't think there was a fire right now. But as Ian says, it is still smouldering. They're going to be here for a couple of weeks. A word of warning. Morning to anybody, by the way, travelling out this morning. It is absolutely freezing. It's very fist, fisty as well, isn't it? It's at minus three. Yes. I looked like a right wally this morning, in. Oh. I got out of the radio car. Yep. I was in Leverstock Green. I walked to the shops and I slipped over. Oh, and no! You know, I'm a big old unit. Yes. So when I went down, I went down with a bang. So uh, just a word of warning. Very, very cold. And it's icy out there. Justin, sorry. Uh, maybe I misheard. Did you use the phrase, I'm a big old unit? Yes, yes, that's right. Thanks very much, Justin Daly. He's a big old unit. Uh, the Environment Agency, which is carrying out the investigation into the fire, say they can't comment until it's complete. They serve an enforcement notice on the owners before the fire to restrict the levels of wood being brought onto the site to have further powers of enforcement, but will take decisions when the investigation is finished. Quick look at the front pages. The Daily Telegraph. Tory MPs throw down the gauntlet to Cameron. PM told he must seize back control of employment and social laws from Brussels. And horse meat found in burgers. Uh, the ind- we'll be talking about the horse meat a bit later on. The Independent. Taxpayers pay- face £500 million bill for RBS l- LIBOR fraud. Uh, and there's... Um, I want to see... Did anyone see that interview with um, the, the cheat? What's the, the, the cheat? Um, the, the Lance Armstrong. He's admitted that... Has it not been out yet? Well, he's admitted that he, he took drugs. It's going out on Thursday, is it? Right, OK. I want to watch that. I want to see... He's admitted that he cheated. So that'll be interesting. See, that's on the front page of The Independent. It's also on the front page of The Guardian. Uh, and PM warned of off-Europe uh, opportunism. Uh, the Times. Facebook prepares to give Google a poke. Mark Zuckerberg announced yesterday that Facebook is, te- uh, Facebook is testing a new search engine that will answer questions using information from your friends. Wow. 
uh, and GPs warned to steer clear of the tranquilizer trap. Doctors are being told to curb the prescription of sleeping pills and tranquilizers to millions of people after admitting that they can be highly addictive. Uh, the Daily Mail. Horse meat in Tesco burgers. Beef burgers sold by Tesco and other supermarkets have been found to contain horse meat. And Pippa's out boar hunting. Dearie me. The paper... I'll be honest, papers are really boring this morning. If, you, if you're kind of thinking, oh, should I buy one, I'm, I'll tell you now, don't bother. They're really dull. We've been through all of them and we couldn't find anything interesting. Very little. Uh, the Daily Ex- uh, Express. Simple test to prevent a stroke. Thousands of lives will be saved. Uh, and the sun... Look, uh, the Freed Damalola killer is jailed again, but they're giving more space to the fact you can get holidays from ni- for £9.50. I don't know what that says. When did the Sun give up being a newspaper? They used to at least pretend, didn't they? And it seems like in the last six months they've gone, ah, ah, it don't matter. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next half hour, investigations are underway to try to find out how beef burgers on sale in supermarkets became contaminated with horse meat. I say contaminated, you might say, mm, yeah, bonus. Does it bother you? Meat is, is meat, isn't it? Whether it's cow meat or sheep meat or horse meat or dog meat, it doesn't make any difference. Does it? Are you worried about the food that you're buying and eating? 08459 455 555. And blind and partially sighted people are being left isolated and lonely in Luton. Find out why next. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. 08459 455 555. Here's a song I wasn't expecting to play in 2013. Bananarama. I love a bit of Bananarama. I tell you why I like Bananarama so much. Is they, well, there's several reasons. One is they can't sing. They can't sing. And that's quite exciting, I think. It was in the 80s, anyway. And also, they all just look a little bit... I don't know, rough. Do you know what I mean? They just look like the kind of girls you'd see waiting at the bus stop at, at 2 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And I like that. They didn't make any attempt to look good. Is that harsh? Maybe it's harsh. I don't mean it to sound harsh. In my head, it's a compliment. Uh, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Now, blind or visually impaired people in Luton have been described as feeling isolated and alone due to a lack of volunteers in the area. Site Concern Bedfordshire has noticed a marked decrease in home visitors willing to help. Our reporter, Sophie Solaria, went to meet 91-year-old Ruth from Sandy in Bedfordshire and her home visitor, Adele. Not that Adele. Hello, Ruth. Hello, Hello Adele. That's your paper. I've got this appointment at Bedford, and it says it's the laser department. Side side. Oh, yeah. Laser centre is in G. So we'll just find area G. Oh, there it is. It's a tiny little reception area. It's just behind the main ward. Ruth, when you started to lose your sight, how did that make you feel? Well, I just realised quite quickly that because it was a sudden onset of a thing, it didn't come gradually. I felt that, um, you know, life had changed completely. You have to relearn how to do lots of things. I have peripheral vision, but no central vision, so I don't see you there. Although I know there are people around the sides, you see, which is rather peculiar. You get used to it to some extent, but there's so many things you can't see. For instance, you know, making a cup of tea. How do you get the toothpaste on the brush? 
such stupid things which you don't realise until you lose the ability to do it. What does yeah. a, what does Adele bring to your life? Oh well, um, a very enjoyable morning. I mean, I don't use my brain because I can't read. I can't really see the television. I get a bit fed up with the radio and the discs. And of course, I can't do any handwork, which I've always done a lot of dressmaking, knitting, embroidery, and those things have all gone. And it's surprising how few people want to help you with crossword puzzles. <laughs> do you mind helping with the crossword, Adele? No, I don't see why anybody else wouldn't. I think it's great. I'd just taken five years off work to have a son and I found getting back into work was quite hard so I thought volunteer to take some of the time so I could get back to meeting people and getting into community life and it just means that I get to go out, I get to meet somebody that I've never met before, I didn't know anything about. I just feel it makes me get up of a morning and it just means I've got something to do, a purpose in life, rather than just sitting around watching telly or doing the housework. And what kind of things do you do for Ruth when you come here of a week? Um, well, we'll have a general chat about what we've been up to, what we've, if she's got any mail to read, I'll read her mail, and then we'll sit and do the crossword for a little while. And would you say that Adele has become less of a volunteer and more of a, more of a friend? Oh, definitely. I regard her as a friend. I look forward to her days when she comes yes oh definitely i don't see like i'm coming here as like, something to do it's just it's like a friendship sophie so. salaria oh excuse me sophie salaria talking uh, to 91 year old ruth from sandy uh, and later on in the program we'll be speaking to the operations manager for site concern Bedfordshire. my mum uh, isn't very well she lives in a home she's not blind but she can't see very well she can't see well enough to read and so she has a reader that goes round once a week and i phoned her up the other day and she said oh, i can't talk i'm having rod stewart's autobiography read to me I was like, oh okay fine but um i, I was there b- before christmas and my mum was furious like she says that, that flipping reader she won't read the books i ask her to read i said well let's let's calm down let's sort this out and i'll i'll, I'll have a word with her. what books what books is it you want her to read oh i got sent this book 50 shades of gray i said mum if i was your reader i would refuse to read that it's filth she says yeah i know but i want to hear it <laughs> the reader refused to read 50 so my mum doesn't call it 50 shades of gray what does she call it she keeps changing the number Last time it was a hundred. It was a hundred. Uh, it was a hundred colours of black, I think, which is a completely different book altogether. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Facebook.com forward slash BBC Three CR. There's a picture of me in my warm winter coat, which Kelly Betts, a member of our team, said look rubbish. To be honest, it's so cold. I've got, I don't care how I look. I just want to be warm. Well, I, I can safely guarantee that song's never getting played on this show again. Pet Shop Boys, memory of the future. I can only apologise for the last three minutes. I never got the Pet Shop Boys. I never, I, I never, I never quite understood them. There's a couple of songs. West End Girls is good, and um, there's another one they did that was quite good. That song we just played there wasn't one of them. I know, I know, I know you're not supposed to, but really, it was a stinker. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five with revelations that Tesco burgers and other supermarket burgers have got horse meat in them are you concerned about what you eat are, are you hearing this story and thinking oh dear oh no i'm lucky i'm a vegetarian i'm not touched that rubbish i don't want to milk this mouse thing that we had over christmas but well we did i think there are mouse m- is no hang on let me start again yes i think there are mice in the studio 
During that excellent track there by uh, Westfield, uh, I heard Westlife. I there was a distinct rustling coming from the ceiling of the studio. Now, listen, I'm not you know I'm not particularly bothered either way, but it just it could be squirrels. You know, if you have got squirrels in your attic, you can't do anything with them. You have to leave them there. You can't kill a. You're not allowed to kill a squirrel in your attic. I think squirrels and bats you have to let so let live. But I, if some rodent comes down from that ceiling at any point during this show, there's a bit of wood over there, and I will I will use it. Oh, I will use it. It'll be that Tatler's dog all over again. Now, invest. No, don't. Investigations. <coughs> excuse me. Are underway to find out how beef burgers were contaminated with horse meat. In one sample from Tesco, horse flesh accounted for approximately 29%, 29% of the meat content. <laughs> oh! Officials stressed there was no risk to human health, just their dignity. Well, our reporter, Gavin Lee, has been following this story. Gavin, how on earth has this happened? Yeah, I mean, it happened as a couple of months ago, a random tests actually, in the Food Standards Agency in Ireland, it's both the UK and Ireland that's been affected, tested 27 beef burgers from different uh, brands, and I'll mention which ones, and ultimately you, this is the bit to listen to, which, what have you bought over Christmas? Uh, they've tested 27 beef burgers, 10 of them had horse DNA, 23 of them had pork DNA, pretty small levels, apart from the one, as you mentioned, this beef burger sold by Tesco, 29% horse meat. Uh, Aldi, Lidl, Iceland, as you mentioned, Duns in Ireland as well, all withdrawn their pro- the products from the shelves. The three suppliers are, um, in North Yorkshire there's a huge um, supplier Dale Pack, Liffey Meat in Ireland Silvercrest Foods as well. Tesco have said they've done their own investigation and 31 beef products have been contaminated they are include cottage pies beef curry pie, lasagna <laughs> the quarter pounder burger at Iceland the Oakhurst beef burger at Aldi the supermarkets have apologised. Uh, Tesco particularly has said that it, any distress that the horse meat may have caused, it wants to apologise. Uh, principally, the Food Standards Agency is saying, despite these measures, there is no danger here to human health. Did you say beef curry pie? The beef curry pie. Wow, aren't, bak- taste. aren't bakers uh, inventive these days? So, th- what exactly are the supermarkets doing? Obviously, they've withdrawn this. Yeah, well, ultimately, I guess there's a few levels about this. Principally, you know, is this a health issue? No, according to the FSA. Culturally, there's, a, there's an issue here because, let's face it, in the UK, this is not something we we eat, uh, unlike elsewhere in, in Europe. Um, thirdly, there's the you know the trust issue. We want to buy what it says on the tin. Mm. And let's let's face it, so the suppliers at the moment are saying it's not them. Silver a Dale Pack saying we, you know, they've never bought horse meat. They're now investigating their European suppliers, but uh. ultimately we're buying something from a supermarket where we are being told by the suppliers we, we don't know how this has happened, but the problem is now there's a long chain, so there's, there's going to be a, a bit of book passing to go, I expect, and the FSA spending a few weeks trying to work out was this accidental, was it deliberate? Well, but what this means is basically people have been eating, people don't know what's in their food. Should, should shoppers be worried? Well, I, I guess they have every, uh, have every reason to be because this was a random test, and you know these products didn't contain uh, wholly beef. In, in this case, horse, which is quite shocking for uh, British tastes, and, and pig as well. The pig perhaps is a bit more explainable. The pork, because the food sanitary agency says the slaughterhouse may have been dealing with pigs one day, cows the next. There may have been a big mix-up. However, these places should be spotlessly clean. And I don't, I don't know. It'd be interesting to actually do a personal check of one of these places and, and, and try and work out for yourself where the source is coming from. 
but ultimately we can't do that, can we? We, we can't, Gavin. Thank you very much. Well, we sent our uh, horse meat correspondent, Justin Dealey, out to Hertfordshire. Justin, who, who have you been talking to this morning? Ian, I've been talking to David Clark from DP Butchers in Leverstock Green in Hertfordshire. He was up bright and early this morning. I spoke to David just before 6am, and he says that he is shocked by this news. Uh, deeply shocked, I must admit. I, uh, I can't believe somebody like uh, Tesco, Tesco's and the big multiples uh, who earn millions of pounds a year can go down that uh, food chain line of selling horse meat. I mean, in 40 years of trading, has anybody ever said to you, David, what I'm looking for is some horse meat? I've got a party this weekend, can you get me some? Has that conversation ever cropped up? In 40 years, uh, I can't believe anybody's ever asked me for horse meat. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't know where to purchase it anyway. Yeah, really. Um, do you think this is great news for the local butcher, though? Because with this story today, it's absolutely everywhere. It kind of places that element of doubt, if you like, to the consumer about their local supermarket. People may turn to you, their local butcher. It may be great news for you. I do think the independent uh, retail butcher is, is growing purely on a, a quality and trust basis, you know, over you do get to know your customers and they learn to trust you. Uh, and majority of, of butchers all make their own burgers on the premises uh, using their own uh, beef products. So, your burgers here, they're homemade, clearly, no horse meat in those. Uh, what's in that beef burger? That's uh, 100% steak meat, and we had some fresh uh, red onions and some seasoning, uh, and I sell an awful lot of them. Just to sum up, you are genuinely shocked and you think pretty much the whole of the nation waking up this morning, if they haven't seen the story already, will be like you, thinking, how on earth has this happened? Deeply shocked. I'm surprised nobody's picked up on it before. It's incredible stuff, isn't it? That was uh, David Clark there from DP Pushes. After 8 o'clock this morning, in we're going to be getting reaction from consumers. I think I know what they're going to say, because, as you mentioned earlier on, people have been eating this stuff for years, not knowing what was really inside their so-called beef burger. Justin, would you ever eat a horse's sausage? Well, I, I personally wouldn't go for horse meat. I think I've eaten horse meat once, and that was by mistake. That was in Ibiza. What do you mean by mistake? <laughs> How did you mistakenly order horse meat? Well, I ordered a steak, and it just didn't taste right to me and i thought it was horse meat and so i think that i was stitched up many years ago i have to say but um i, I certainly if i went to a restaurant wouldn't knowingly order horse meat but it's i don't understand me. why justin a horse is the same as a cow is the same as a sheep i'll tell you why very simply and people will back me up on this because we don't eat horses in this country yeah. you, you go to other countries and they may eat dogs for argument's sake yes again in this country we don't eat dogs. I know what you're saying, but in this country, we don't eat horses, and I think it will remain that way for, for as long as I live. Well, the, the, the butcher there saying he doesn't know where to get horse meat from. Well, obviously Tesco's and Lidl, it would appear. Justin Dealey, excellent stuff as always. Thank you very much. Has it changed your eating habits? Are you worried at all? Morning, this is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's just gone seven o'clock. It's flipping cold, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, I had great trouble getting out of bed. I'm sleeping in the loft, the spare room. And the heating up there, it's a bit hit and miss. Uh, and it was missing last night, shall we say. Very, very cold this morning. Very cold. But onwards and upwards, lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including... Families in Luton say they will go to court to fight plans to force them out of the homes they rent. They knew they were on a short-term tenancy. So, do you have any sympathy for them at all? 
as you heard in the news, the fire at a recycling centre in St Albans continues to burn two months after it started. Fire officers say the cause was accidental. Well, Justin Dealey will be finding out why one woman's property is still running on a generator as a result. And Tesco has withdrawn thousands of its frozen beef burgers from stores. Some of their everyday value beef burgers were found to contain a horse meat. How much does that bother you? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. You can send us a text, 81333. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. BBC Three Counties Radio. Families in Luton face an uncertain future as they fight plans to force them out of the homes they rent near Junction 11 of the M1. Some are prepared to go to court if the highways agency goes ahead with its plans to sell the properties it bought around 20 years ago. A notice to quit is due to be served on 30 houses, including one rented by Nicola Foskett in Halfway Avenue. I feel dreadful about this, being thrown out of my house. I've already collapsed last two weeks. I've got a big cut on my head. I'm just dealing with loads of stress with this. I can't get a deposit together. I think we're all going to be out by April. I don't want to lose my neighbours. I love my neighbours. They're always there and helping me all the time. And we help each other. And we know that we've got people we can rely on each other. There's going to be loads of people without houses. They're all families. They're all going to be chucked out. I was told by the people... People that come round to inspect the houses that I was told that as long as I didn't do anything wrong, we, I could stay forever. And then when I move, that's we're going to be the last tenants, and then they're going to sell. How much of I, a blow is it? I just feel sick. I just feel physically sick. You can tell by my voice. I don't. It's not good. Carol Hover, Bradley Road, Luton. It's not just me. I've got five children, and it's where we're going to go. The council got nowhere. They're inundated with uh, people for uh, um, places to live and uh, it's just where we're going to be and what's going to happen. And the council hasn't got the money to purchase the homes itself? No, they've stated that there's no money. There's no money to, to purchase any more houses, any more places for to put anybody in. So at the end of the day they've stated that uh, once you get the notice to quit to come down and we'll just add you to the register. What would you say to people who'd argue that you knew there was always a chance that the property might be sold at some stage? We've always known that, that something's going to happen, but it's just when. All I can say is they said three years, and it's now a couple of months. And we've been now been notified that we will be being issued with a notice to quit. So what's your plan of action? Well, I want to fight. Obviously, I want to stay here. I want my kids to still go to school. I still want to be where I am. I don't want to be moved around. I physically don't have the money to buy a property. I don't have the money to upfront to move. I just want to be where I am. I just want to be here. I'm Charlotte Cook from Longfield Drive in Luton. We always were unsure about what would happen really with the properties due to the motorway extension. We were very relieved when we found out that wouldn't go ahead. Then unfortunately the highways agency have decided to sell all the homes surplus to requirements. Um, which meant we were very unsure about our future in the property and we were actually hoping to um, look to buy the property if that option came up. But unfortunately, as, as time's gone on, we felt more and more pressure to find somewhere secure to live. So um, we've actually now handed in our notice and decided to move on, which is actually really sad because it's, it's, it's a really nice community. We've all felt part um, very similar with each other. We all had the same connection. And, um, yeah, we, we feel uh, very, very forced out. How upsetting is it? It's heartbreaking, actually. I, I dread to think about moving day because 
I, I honestly thought that I could be here for a very long time and even possibly have the right to buy it in the future, and that's not going to happen now. Well, we invited the highways agency onto the show, but they declined. In a statement, the agency says it's phasing the sale of homes to avoid flooding the local property market, and it's keeping the residents informed in accordance with their rental agreement. Well, we can talk now to Luton North MP Kelvin Hopkins. Morning, Kelvin. Morning. What advice have you given the residents? Well, I, I mean, I've met one of, one or two of the residents and hopefully trying to find a way forward which is humane and fair to everybody concerned. Uh, the logical thing, I think, is for the properties to be kept in the public own, in public ownership, either by the highway station or the uh, local authority or possibly a housing association, so that the people who live in them can continue to live in them and, and to rent them for as long as they need. I mean, their houses are not going to be destroyed anymore because the M1 is not going to be widened. So the houses are, that will not be destroyed, as, as was going to be the, the case. Um, and it, I just think it's nonsense that one bit of the public sector can't somehow transfer the houses to another bit of the public sector at no loss to the public purse overall uh, and leaving the tenants in place. So you're hoping that the Highways Agency can sell these properties to Luton Borough Council? Well, that's what I wanted. I mean, initially, I, I sort of suggested they might be even be gifted. Um, you know, it's a question of the, the government taking money out of one pocket and giving it to another, but it, it's all within the public sector. I mean, the highways agency is an agency of government. The local authority is in the public sector. It's just a way of... But they're not going to gift them, though, are they? Well, no, no, I mean, I've already been written to the minister in September, and he's written back and said they can't gift them, no. But what, what, what about, you know, if, if the government could somehow provide money to the local authority... The local authority could then uh, buy them, uh, and they would not be expensive because they're, they're not desirable houses because they're so close to the M1. I mean, they, they would be modestly priced, keep the tenants in them, solving everybody's problem. Uh, but the, you can understand why the highways agency would perhaps want to get the, the best price they could, wouldn't they? Well, indeed, but I mean, the price for them is not good. Some of them are, I mean, one house I tried to prevent being sold and the tenant being evicted a year or two, year or two back. Uh, and one of these houses um, and uh, you know they said they needed the house uh, what's happened is it was boarded up it's now been vandalized and deteriorating in value all the time this has happened to another one of the houses as well uh, and uh, you know th- th- I think it's a complete nonsense that, that people are being forced out into homelessness uh, by one arm of the public sector so the other another arm of the public sector should should will have to ha- rehouse them but can't do so because of this technicality I just want to find a way of getting those houses transferred from one bit of the public sector to another. So you, you say that you wrote to, to, to the uh, agency or a, a minister in September asking if they would gift them and they wrote back b- laughing. And uh, they, well, they didn't laughing, they just said no, yes, it's not no. possible. They, you know, they, have, you asked, have you asked them then, I'm assuming your next letter the, in, also in September said, well, can we buy them and if so, how much? Well, uh, I, I've, I've, I mean, the local authority I was in touch with two years ago when this other particular property came up, and again... Local well, did you ask them about, when, when they said no, they wouldn't gift them, did you then ask them if, if you could buy them and for how much? I'm writing, not me personally, but obviously right. I, I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing, I've just written again to the minister, I'm posting that today, right. asking for a meeting mm. with the minister to talk this through, because, um, you know, clearly... And that's four months since you got the, the refusal to gift them, well, that it seems is, a little is, bit slow. I got the letter back in September, yes. and now tenants have come to me again saying that, right. because they were not they've just been given this notice to quit and 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 a few months ago they, that was not the situation right but they're now given notice to quit so it's become more urgent 
so I went to see the minister. He's a decent chap. I know the minister quite well. I mean, uh, and I'm going to try and I'm asking specifically for a meeting with him to find a sensible and humane way forward. When do you think this meeting will happen? Because time well, is I, running I, out, I, isn't I mean, it? I, d- I, you know, I don't know, but I mean, I, I see him uh, on, on, uh, from time to time and, and on nodding, nodding terms with him uh, at, par- at Parliament. But, uh, I, you know, again, I can't say when, when the meeting okay. will take place. There might be some people, uh, the, the residents, who think, well, hang on, you knew this was, was going to happen at some point. Why didn't you follow this up in September or October? Well, I mean, I've, uh, <laughs> I've, I've got letters, you know, from the local authority, from, from the Department of Transport, um, and, and I got this letter, letter back, sent it off to the tenants. They've now come back to me. Right. <clears throat> and it, but they didn't have the notice to quit at that time. But then why did you... So, sorry to press this point, Kevin. Why, it, it, why did you then... If they didn't have the notice to quit, why did you then ask the, the, the minister to gift them to you? Well, because they, they could see this coming. What right, happened? Right, well, then, if you could see it coming, that, that you knew, why didn't you then, as soon as you said no, say, well, can we buy them and, and let's see if we can sort out mates' well, rates? Well, well, I mean, the logic is I, give, get, I, I wrote back to the tenant to, who, who raised it with me, say, this is, this is the situation. Uh, any, if I can be of any more assistance, please contact me again. Now the tenant has contacted me again on okay. behalf of the other tenants, and I'm taking further action. They knew this was this was um, always a possibility, didn't they? Well, of course, yes. But what they thought was going to happen was the houses would be would be compulsory purchased. Um, they, they would be taken. They would be, have to move when the M1 was going to be widened. But then clearly the decision to widen the M1 was taken away. The houses are going to stay in place, uh, and you know they, they were short-term tenancies. But now with a desperate shortage of local authority housing to rent. They are now in a situation where they've got to be rehoused somehow. They'll be put into no, no, into temporary accommodation or something. But the, there's just the logic is the houses are going to stay there. The tenants are in place. They're paying rent. Many of them have improved the houses and made them very much more habitable uh, and they're very pleasant houses. Um, and the logic is to keep them in place because it's going to cost the public sector one way or another uh, more money to rehouse them. This, this, it's unlikely this is going to have a happy ending, isn't it? Is it for these residents? I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to try my very best to try and find a happy ending. But of course, you know, in the end, uh, we, we may not win. But I'm going to do everything I can to make sure we do. Kelvin Hopkins, thank you very much for your time. That's uh, Luton North MP Kelvin Hopkins. Well, what do you think? Do you have? Listen, uh, getting kicked out of your home for whatever reason, always unpleasant. Do you have any sympathy for these residents because they knew that this was a possibility? Uh, and if, if they'd investigated further, we spoke to, to, to someone earlier on who said that it's government policy, that when uh, a government agency has finished the work that it's doing, that they have to sell on the properties. 08459 455 555. Do you have any sympathy for the, the residents? And, and, and you're listening to Kelvin Hopkins there. Do you, do you think he's, he's done enough to help the residents? I would have thought that after he'd uh, sent the letter in September saying, could you gift these to uh, Luton North? Uh, and the, the minister wrote back saying no. I, I would have thought you would have followed that up, wouldn't you? He said, well, in that case, can, can, we, can we sort out some mates' rates? What's the, what's the best deal you can do for these houses? Because I can see this could be a problem at some point in the future. I don't know. That's, uh, that's what I would have done. It just seems odd, doesn't it, to, to have left it at that? Or is that me just being, being silly? It's, it's easy to say these things with the hindsight when you sat in a cosy studio that may or may not be infested with mice, isn't it? Ah, oh, we've had an update. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is still not very well. Um, so, uh, we, we, we assu- we're assuming David Prever is filling in for him. We will let you have the latest information as soon as we have it ourselves. I suggest that uh, JVS may have eaten too much of this horse meat. Uh, we're asking... Uh, the horse meat scandal having horse meat in your sausages tesco little loads of loads of other places has it put you off eating meat are you got to change your habits are you worried by it or are you kind of going yeah so what
Bring it on. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Gary says, not nice. We don't know the half of what they put in our food. If it says beef burger, that's what it should be. If they put horse burger on the packet, no one would buy them. Well, Gary, I think people would buy a horse burger. People would buy them out of curiosity. And then if they liked it, they'd have it. Chris, Chris says, ain't bothered. <laughs> Excuse me, Chris, you made me chuckle. Chris says, ain't bothered. It's dead and been piled into a burger. They should sell, sell horse meat, but stop disguising it as beef. Darren says, I'm going to give Tesco's a £5 note when I next go shopping and tell them it's a £20 note. They lie, I lie. And then he's done a colon, a dash, and a closed bracket. Oh, look. Oh, it's a smiley face. <laughs> I've never noticed that before. Sally says, I don't really have a problem eating horse meat. But it's the fact it's being sold as beef, not horse. People should be told the truth about what their food contains. If it's mixed meat, beef, pork and horse, then it should be said in the main title of the food. Uh, and a text says, what about Muslims? Some of those products were contaminated with pork. That's more than a cultural issue. Amanda from Alzi. Uh, Martin is from Limbury. Morning, Martin. Morning, Ian. Are you, are you shocked and disgusted by this horse meeting your burgers? not particularly bothered, to be honest. I mean, I've never actually had horse meat before, but, um, you know, if it did have horse meat in it, then I'd just think, so long as it tastes nice, then that's fine by me. Well, if you went to one of these uh, foreign restaurants, and they are foreigners who do eat very odd food, say, for example, you were in the south of France, and you looked, <coughs> excuse me, you looked at the menu, and there was um, a, a burger a la chapeau, horse burger, would you order that out of curiosity? Uh, I, might, I might be tempted to give it a go. Try anything once is my motto. Or is it burger out of hat, I've just said? I don't know. Anyway, you, you'd give it a go. So you're not that fussed about any, any of the weird stuff? Nah, not too bothered, really. OK, let's go through it. Dog? Uh, no, I wouldn't go for dog. No, OK. Why, why would you draw the line at dog? I don't know. It's just a, a carnivore. You know, I prefer to eat animals that have eaten grass rather than... And have eaten other animals. Okay, so, you know, okay. It tastes a bit different, I think. Uh, a crocodile burger. That that is very popular in certain parts of the world. Uh, I'd probably give that a go. No, but, but the crocodiles eat pe- they eat people. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as it'd been like maybe reared in a farm, hadn't had too many. Okay. Arms, supposing so. there was a puppy farm. Okay, and a puppy is just like a lamb. Before everyone starts getting upset, it's just like eating a baby sheep, which is a lamb. There's a puppy farm. The puppies have been reared specifically for their luscious sweet meats. No, not their sweet meats. That's something different. For, but for their wonderful, wonderful meat. Would you eat a puppy? No, because you keep puppies as pets. You don't keep sheep as pets or lambs as pets generally, do you? Some people do. I remember being in a vet once and someone brought in a, in a, in a sheep. Uh, okay, so you would you wouldn't eat a puppy, but you would eat um, a, a crocodile. Possibly, I'd, I'd, I'd you know I'd, I'd see how I felt at the time. All right, Martin, thank you very much for that. Uh, I, I, burger de la uh, chapeau is indeed a hat burger. I got that completely wrong. My friend says cheval. Is that it? That's a horse, I think. Cheval. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's interesting, isn't it? What would you? I'm a vegetarian. To me, meat is meat. What would you draw the line at? So Martin there wouldn't eat a puppy. But if it's, if it's brought up on a puppy farm, where these, these puppies are farmed and reared for their luscious meat, would you eat one? What's the difference between a puppy and a lamb? They're both cute, aren't they? Would you eat a cat? How's about a monkey? In some parts of the world they eat monkeys. 08459. Four double five, five double five. We're talking about these uh, these rented homes that are near the M1, 
Um, and it, it looks like everyone's going to be kicked out of them and they're going to be sold. Do you fe- feel any sympathy for the, the people living in these homes? Anna in Hemel Hempstead, I believe you had a similar situation, is that right? Well, it was um, my mum's house. We, she ended up with a brain tumour and she came come and live with me for two years, so we decided to rent her house out while she was with me. And um, we took in two people that weren't working. And for, like, eight, for the two years, one of them only paid rent for six months and the other one didn't, uh, didn't pay for the last year. So, obviously, they kept the money themselves. Yeah. And I gave them notice to move out, which they signed and agreed to. And um, and when it came to it, they had nowhere to go. The council told them to squat. This is Luton Borough Council. Told them to squat in my mum's house. So we went down to the house, and they'd obviously moved out. They took all their stuff out. So we yeah. went back into the house, um, obviously, because I had served them notice. And um, the council then got on to my mum. Um, I won't name the guy that done it. No, please he, don't. Yeah, he um, threatened my mum saying that she had to give the house back because they had squatters' rights and that she, if she wasn't prepared to give them the keys back, she had to give them £3,000 Excuse me. or they would put her into prison. Here's the thing. Listen, I know there are squatters' rights and, and, and in, cer- in a certain situation, I kind of have some sort of sympathy with squatters. But yeah. any squatters take over my house... I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go in there with a bat because I'm not very tough, but people would go... They would be kicked out. Squatters' rights or no squatters' rights. Yeah. But, but the, uh, did, did the council actually... Did the, Anna, did the council actually say to these people, squat? Yes, they did. Really? Yes, they told them to squat in my mum's house. Yes. That's incredible if that's true. Yes. But the point I'm making is yes. they actually told my mum yep. to pay them £3,000. She was the criminal in this. Yeah, and what I'm saying is, if these highway patrol... Is it the highway patrol people that own the houses? It's the highways agency. The highway patrol is, is Chips. That's that's in oh, America. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, That's Eric Estrada, yes. So, He's not involved. So why don't the council <laughs> tell them to p- give the tenants £3,000 each so that they can go and get another house? What, it, they told my mum to do it. Yeah, it's confusing, isn't it? I, I, and I do have sympathy. I've got friends who squatted. And I do have sympathy, right, to a certain extent. I do. It's confusing, isn't it? But I tell you what, if there were squatters in my house, they, they, would, they would be out by hook or by crook. They would, they would get booted out. I'm not having that. Yeah, if there's a house that's been abandoned for 15 years and no one's lived, lived in there and no one seems to be making any moves to do it up, then yes, I guess I can kind of sort of understand squatting. But if you, if you break into my house when I'm on holiday or I've been renting it to you or something like that, man, you're going to get a rocket up your backside. Or is that me being a bit harsh? Oh wait, four five nine, four double five, five double five. Is that, is that me being a little bit rude and a little bit harsh? Have you got any sympathy with these people in these rented homes just off the M1, owned by the Highways Agency? They've been there, uh, been rented out for about twenty years. So I'm guessing some of these people could have been there for as long as twenty years. Some may be a bit shorter. Um, have you got any sympathy for them? They knew that there was a possibility that at some point they'd be booted out. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Joe's in Letchworth. Joe, hello. Horse meat. Would you eat it? I think I'd give it a go to once. Yeah. You know? um, but I think the whole thing is in it. It's, it's not knowing what's in your food. It you know comes from a supermarket, and I think that's the worrying thing because it's it's you know with the burgers. Oh right. So the burgers have had horse meat in. So what else has got something else in it that shouldn't be in there? Yes. And this is why I can totally understand you being a vegetarian. Oh, man. 
And do you know what? I, I started to eat a lot less meat recently because I just, I just don't trust it. I, I, I was always told, I was always told, sausages, in, sausages and burgers in supermarkets, I won't use the phrase that I was, was told, lips and bums. Lips and bums. It's that, the, it's the, if you L&A, buy... L and A, L and A, definitely. It's, if, if you buy it, you, cheap meat, you yeah. kind of get what you're paying for. Exactly. So if you go to your, everyone should be going to their local butcher. Yeah. And if you go to a local butcher and say, look, you know, what's in your sausages? If they're a good butcher, they'll even show you what they put in. Yeah, and they won't be showing you L and A, will they? <laughs> <laughs> Would you, okay, let's go through the list. Would you eat a crocodile? Done it. Have you? Yes. What did it taste oh, like? It's like a, a, a strong, rubbery chicken. Oh, it sounds horrible. It's, it's, it's a little bit stronger than chicken, but it's actually, it's sort of between sort of chicken and squid, I would say. Waiter, this crocodile is rubbery. Thank you very much, sir, I believe is the old joke. Uh, well, okay, uh, would you eat a puppy? No. If it, oh, come on! Joe, but meat is meat is meat. If it's been raised on a puppy farm where they are being raised for their luscious meat, you wouldn't eat a puppy. Do you know, I, 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 I'd like to say no, but... You would, wouldn't it you? It all depends on what it's been raised on, Ian. Do you know what I mean? If it's been raised in that environment... Yeah. You know, just because in our culture we say, oh, we don't eat that sort of thing, that, yeah. that's hideous. Yeah. In other cultures, it's perfectly normal. Okay, stay um, there. Joe, stay there. Dennis is in Dunstable. Morning, Dennis. Oh, Dennis, you're there. So, hello, Dennis. Good morning. Dennis, Good morning. would you eat a puppy? I wouldn't eat a puppy, no. Why? Well, because I'd like to know what I'm eating to start. Well, you know, you, oh. you know you're eating a puppy that's been hand-reared on a farm and fed the best pedigree yeah, chum. This is, this is psychological. It's a, it's a pet, yeah. to start with. I mean, I won't eat beef burgers if I can help it, because beef burgers goes from its nose to its rectum, so that, what the hell do we know? Well, eat? exactly. LNA again. We're back to LNA. Would you eat a horse? No. Why? Same reason. They're, I wouldn't say they're more intelligent than other animals, but they are. They react to human beings. Horses are stupid. No, Have you, they no, let they I, let I short men r- ride them and jump over fences. Of course, they're stupid. Okay, Dennis. Well, 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 for instance, you're a vegetarian. Correct. Would you eat broccoli? I I would eat broccoli. Yes, I do eat broccoli. Oh dear, I am sorry. I wouldn't touch you with a barge pole. Why? Well, it's the same because it's a pet. It's it's the same. I've been brought up not to eat broccoli. What? Because it's intelligent? No, because it tastes what? bloody awful. Excuse my friend. D- now, Dennis, we've got Joe on the line. Say hello to Joe. Hello, Joe. <laughs> hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm fine. But the thing is, beef burgers. I wouldn't eat a beef burger because beef burgers. To be a beef burger, it must go from its nose ring to its rectum. To its rectum to ring. To the end of its yes. tail. LNA. You want, don't know what you're eating. Dennis, would you? Now, Joe is eating a crocodile. Would you eat a crocodile, Dennis? Uh, unless it tried to eat me first, yes. So you, what, Joe? Have you eaten any other weird things? Ostrich, oh. uh, s- uh, squirrels. Oh, oh. <laughs> do, do, would you eat a squirrel, Dennis? No, no more than would. I wouldn't eat a rabbit either because they're just that next next uh, thing to but, a rabbit. But do you eat meat then, what? Dennis? Oh yes, but I want to see it in its entirety. I don't want it mincing. I wouldn't eat beef burgers if I could, and sausages. I don't want to know. They messed about with. You don't know what you're eating. A piece of beef, fine. Lamb, I'm not very fond of. Pork, I love. But I eat oysters. And they can't, ah. bite. They can't bite back. <laughs> Joe, you reacted to the oysters there. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I like oysters. I've reacted to, to, to the pork. Dennis says he likes pork. I know people that keep pigs as pets. Now, yes. again, it, we're, whole, we're back to the whole... Well, a, some people say it as a pet, so would you eat it? Oh, no, because in this case, it's not a pet to me. 
Dennis, you have a very, very strange outlook on your life. Every time you call up, I learn a little bit more about your world in Dunstable, and it scares me. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Dennis. Excellent stuff. Fascinating. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. Thanks very much, Catherine. You're welcome. Yeah. Call 08459 455555. 08459 455555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Mmm, 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 would eat dogs or puppies. There's no difference between eating a puppy and a lamb. If they're raised on a puppy farm where they are being raised for their sweet, sweet meat, then what's the problem? Also, the fire at the recycling centre in St Albans continues to burn two months after it started. Fire officers say the cause was accidental. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, will be finding out why one woman's property is still running on a generator as a result. You're all having your say on Facebook again. Facebook.com. <clears throat> forward slash bbc 3cr you can send us a text 81333 and you can also give us a call 08459 455 555 and as i mentioned earlier on jonathan vernon smith he's not very well today poorly yesterday poorly today don't know what it is i'm sure i'm sure he'll be fine don't panic don't panic david Priva will be standing him uh, in for him today and he'll be asking after nine does it bother you what's in your meat oh it's a bit carry on isn't it hey oh does it bother you what's in your meat sir oh uh, now, investigations are underway to find out how beef burgers were contaminated with horse meat. In one sample from Tesco, horse flesh accounted for approximately 29% of the meat content. Tesco has apologised to customers. The company's group technical director, Tim Smith, sought to reassure them by making two points. The first is that as a precaution, we've withdrawn the products that were on sale yesterday. And the second thing is that the food safety authorities in Ireland and the food safety authorities in the UK will both confirm there's no food safety risk associated with these products, but it is a very distasteful thing to have happened. It's unacceptable to us, and we must prevent it ever happening again. Oh, that's all right, then. The Food Standards Agency is meeting later to discuss the problem, but it says at this stage it's not believed to pose a food safety risk. Hugh Pennington is an expert in public health. He explains what will happen next. They obviously want to investigate this and find out particularly how this large amount of horse meat got into something that was supposed to be beef. Because it's not just a safety issue. There is a safety issue in the sense that, you know, something is being sold that's, you know, has got question marks over it. So how well has it been handled further up the food chain? It's a trading standards issue as well. Like, you know, people are being conned into buying something that isn't what it says on the label. 31 beef products, including cottage pie, lasagna, and the bizarrely titled beef curry pie, were also analysed and 21% of, uh, 21 of them sorry, tested positive for pig DNA. Michael Turner is an organic beef farmer at Rectory Farm in Great Brickhill in Buckinghamshire. Morning, Michael. Good morning. Horse in a beef burger. Yes. How does that make you feel? Um, confused, surprised, and uh, concerned, because it's obviously not what people were expecting, and as you said a few minutes ago, uh, we just don't like eating horse meat in this country. How on earth? I cannot get my head around how horse meat would have ended up in, in a beef burger. Well, I agree with you. I find it uh, very confusing. It just shouldn't happen. Uh, I didn't think it could happen in this country. But, 
um, I'm as interested as you are in finding out how this has happened and how long it's been going on for. Tell us the, the, the journey of, of your beef, Michael. What happens when it leaves your farm? Well, um, we're an organic farm and uh, we take our cattle directly to the abattoir, um, which is uh, just north of Bedford at Cardington. Uh, we take them there on a regular basis. Usually every two or three weeks we'll take four cattle there. They go to the abattoir and we drop them off in the lairage and, and they, they are killed the following day. And that's the end of the journey as far as I'm concerned. 29%. It's a lot to accidentally put in, into a beef burger. Do you think this is going to change people's eating and buying habits? No, I don't, actually. I don't. For, because I think there's been quite a lot of assurances that it's really uh, not a health issue. It's an ethical issue, really, isn't it? Mm. Would you ever eat a horse? No. Why? No, I, I've not, and I've no desire to. Why not? Good question, that. Um, I think I'd, I'd rather prefer to eat beef. Yeah. Uh, okay, listen, thank you very much, Michael Turner, uh, who um, is an organic beef farmer at Rectory Farm in Great Britain. What would you draw the line at? What's the limit for you, dear listener? Horse? They eat horses as close as France. Dogs. Do- they eat dogs in Korea. You've got, you, you've got to be honest. If I still ate meat, I would be tempted to have a bit. I, I, wouldn't, I don't see the difference between the different animals. They're all animals. Uh, Lena says, it worries me that uh, pork is, uh, some of these sausages and burgers have pork in, as my husband and daughter are allergic. Allergic. I said allergic then, that's how 12-year-olds say the word. They also say skellington and, and chimley. And Maddie says, I'm not too worried, but I think the Muslim community may be a little bit more unhappy. Uh, and Trudy says, apart from the fact I don't eat shop store burgers, what's the difference between a horse and cow? Horses far healthier for a start. <coughs> Why people find this horrible, I don't know. It made me laugh out loud. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Text eight one three double three. Start your message with three CR. Text charged at the standard network rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. People living near a fire at a wood recycling plant on the outskirts of St Albans are still on generators. Two months after the blaze broke out. The risk to overhead power cables means the electricity supply had to be turned off. Fire officers say the cause of the blaze on Saturday the 10th of November was accidental. At its height, Hearts firefighters were at the site around the clock, with more than a 1,000 officers deployed there over a two-week period. Earlier on, Justin Dealey spoke to the District Commander for Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service, Ian Markwell. He admitted they're still having problems with it. Yes, it is still smouldering away, unfortunately. The uh, the huge pile of material we've been dealing with is down to the, the embers now, but it's still a very substantial pile of embers. We've given some more equipment to the site earlier this week. We've now got a tactic of trying to spread the material as thin as possible across the ground that's been cleared and we're hopeful now that probably within the next week or two we can really now dampen down the worst of what's there and, and the operators on site are looking to try and remove the, the worst of the ash that's, that's left. And then the worst of the fire is out but it is a, a smouldering pile that will still take some time to deal with. Well our believed to be an accidental fire correspondent Justin Dealey is now with one of the local residents. Justin whereabouts are you and who are you with? Thank you Ian, I'm with uh, Marlene Pincott who lives opposite Apspon Lane. Um, Apspon Lane for those that don't know is in St Albans but you can clearly see it from Junction 8 of the M1. I find it incredible that we are still talking about a smouldering fire when you think we were first talking about this on the 10th of November. So Marlene, you live opposite the wood recycling plant here. You can still smell the smoke and you can still see the smoke all these weeks on. 
Yes, and it's exactly as we all predicted um, when they had the fire a few years ago. We had that for six months. Um, this is probably going to be a little bit less, uh, but it's still going. So your home is, is currently being run off a generator still. How angry does that make you feel? Well, it makes me incredibly angry. Um, last night, for example, I was supposed to be up to meet you really early this morning and the generator broke down. I'm up till three o'clock in the morning waiting for the guy to come and fix it. So you're exhausted as well? You could say that. Hertfordshire County Council, what is your message to them this morning, Marlene? Do you feel like they've let you down? Well, I do, um, and we've had this complaint about this place for so many years, and they've done absolutely nothing about it. They keep taking him to court and fining him, and he keeps on carrying on doing the same thing. So I think it's about time they pulled their finger out and actually did something to the company um, that keep flouting the rules that they make on him. You and other residents said this was an accident waiting to happen. For those that don't know the area, you're quite isolated. It's just your house which is opposite this. You're very, very close to it. Your home is on the market. I presume you've had no takers whatsoever. No, none at all. Um, And even though the house looks isolated, there are other neighbours down the lane that are also on generators. One of my neighbours has had her fields contaminated. She's had to move her horses. So even though we are a rural community, um, there are still quite a few of us affected by this. But nobody at this moment time is saying nice house i'll take that no absolutely not they say nice house but uh, that's as far as it goes how far will you take this just lastly how far will you take this because for years you've wanted this recycling center closed down uh, you and other local people again want that to happen how far will you take this to ensure it is closed down once and for all we're having chats actually at the moment some of my local neighbors and i, I can't say too much about it because we haven't come to any final decision but we're looking and talking to people about how to go on a legal route either against the recycling center or even the environment agency to get something done about it so that's going to be happening in the near future you, you simply can't take any more no absolutely um after about well, 10 years we've had enough appreciate your time thank you very much indeed that thank was you. uh marlene pincott there you can hear the the, the frustration ian yes as i mentioned earlier on i drove past this wood recycling plant in december i didn't think nothing of it i thought the fire was out uh, it's not you heard there from marlene they can still smell it you can certainly smell it in the air this morning uh, we spoke to ian from hearts fire and rescue earlier he was saying the atmospherics may have uh, brought that on slightly more this morning but you can definitely still smell it marlene still off a generator and they just want this plant closed once and for all Justin, thank you. Just going off on a slight tangent, if you can, going back to this, um, the, the horse meat in the, in the burgers. Yeah. Uh, so you eat burgers? Yes. So you'd eat, like, you'd eat cow? Uh, yes, I eat beef burgers, not okay. horse burgers. But you know that a lot of those burgers are L&A. <laughs> right, okay, carry on, carry right, on. Okay, so you know what's in there? Yes. Okay, yes. you wouldn't eat horse? No. Would you eat um, ostrich? Uh, probably not, no. Why? Uh, because it doesn't tickle my fancy. <laughs> you know, if, if, I, if I go into a restaurant, yes. I think the big deal with this story this morning, and again, we're going to be talking to consumers yeah. after 8 o'clock, when they go into a supermarket yeah. and they buy a beef burger, yes. they expect to have a beef burger, yeah. not 30% horse burger and 70% beef burger. They expect to get what they're paying for. Ostrich is, uh, is very sought after. You can get ostrich steaks in this country and some of the best restaurants in London serve it. Didn't you turn down I'm a Celebrity to get me out of it? <laughs> yeah. it sounds like you'd be perfect for that. I, Ostrich? I, I would. Uh, do you know what? Thank you, Justin. I did have. The, I did turn down. I am a celebrity a couple of years ago, and I had the meeting, and I said, "Look, I'm a vegetarian. Would I have to eat a kangaroo's willy and and um, things like that?" And they said, "Oh no, we just make you eat stinky vegetables." Well, that doesn't sound so bad at all. I could do that. Also, another tip for um, uh, C-listers who are considering uh, going on that show. When you have the meeting with the producers, uh, they actually ask you. They're, they're kind of all chatty and they get you on side and stuff. They go, so, uh, 
just out of interest, what what things don't you like? Now, I hate spiders, right? And I, I, I don't mind snakes at all. So I messed with their minds and I went, oh, oh, snakes. Oh, don't put me anywhere near You won't put me near snakes, will you? Spiders, on the other hand, I think are fine. You could see them writing down, oh, okay, it doesn't like snakes. And so I would have got away with it. But then I thought, actually, I've got some dignity. And I turned down, yes, the £80,000 they offered me. That's what I turned down. Why? I don't know. I should have said yes. Never mind. Blind or visually impaired people in Luton have been described as feeling isolated and alone due to a lack of volunteers in the area. Site Concern Bedfordshire has noticed a marked decrease in home visitors willing to help. BBC Three Counties reporter Sophie Solaria went to meet 91-year-old Ruth from Sandy in Bedfordshire. Ruth is visually impaired and relies heavily on her home visitor, Adele. Not that one. I felt that, um, you know, life had changed completely. You have to relearn how to do lots of things. I have peripheral vision, but no central vision, so I don't see you there, although I know there are people around the sides, you see, which is rather peculiar. You get used to it to some extent, but there's so many things you can't see. For instance, you know, making a cup of tea. How do you get the toothpaste on the brush? Such stupid things which you don't realise... Until you lose the ability to do it. What does it? What does Adele bring to your life? Oh well, um, a very enjoyable morning. I mean, I don't use my brain because I can't read. I can't really see the television. I get a bit fed up with the radio and the discs. And of course, I can't do any handwork, which I've always done a lot of dressmaking, knitting, embroidery. And those things have all gone. And it's surprising how few people want to help you with crossword puzzles. <laughs> Do you mind helping with the crossword, Adele? No, I don't see why anybody else wouldn't. I think it's great. I'd help with the crossword. I wouldn't help with Sudoku. I've got no idea how Sudoku works, so I'm sorry, uh, Ruth, I do the crossword with you, I'm not doing Sudoku. Well, Sally Marlowe is the operations manager for Site Concern Bedfordshire, and she joins me now. Morning, Sally. Good morning. Sally, how reliant is your organisation on volunteers? It's absolutely critical to how we work. We're an incredibly small organisation. We actually work with just 8.5 full-time equivalent staff. But we're 8.5? Very... Who's, who's the point five? Five, yes. <laughs> Oh we are very ably supported by a team of around 150 volunteers. Now, they're spread throughout Luton and Bedfordshire. We have a fantastic team already in Luton. Um, we run thriving social clubs in Luton, IT clubs, listening posts. Um, we've got a dead, very dedicated team of talking newspaper readers, but we are struggling on home visitors. Why do you think that's the case? I think perhaps people don't understand what's involved, uh, maybe think it isn't for them, and I think often people think somebody else is doing it. Why aren't the family there, perhaps? Um, but the reality is that a huge, huge number of um, our service users are elderly. Um, they live alone, many of them. Um, they're less mobile, um, and they really need the help um, of somebody just popping in, uh, to alleviate that loneliness. Okay, Sally, supposing I volunteered, yeah. uh, what process would I have to go through, first of all, to get checked? You'd meet our volunteer coordinator, just have an informal chat to begin with. There's no um, commitment when you first contact us. You'd find out a bit more about the role, what's expected of you. Um, We'd follow up a CRB check. So there is a CRB yes, check. Yes, okay, good. checks now. Yeah. Uh, we'd follow that up with you, because obviously you would be going into somebody's home, and, and for both your sakes, you know, we want to put you into a safe environment. 
Um, we'd offer some training uh, that would cover things like communication skills, talking about the boundaries of the role, what we'd expect um, of you, what you might expect from the person you're visiting. And then what would I have to do? Cause I, listen, I'm very busy. I can't, I can't give up to all of my days. What, how much time would you expect from me and what would I have to do once I'm in the house? We're looking for a visit of um, perhaps about an hour. Um, that might be weekly, it might be fortnightly. We have to accommodate your needs as See, well. See, that's not so bad at all, is it? Yeah. It's not. It's not a big ask. What we find is it seems to suit um, perhaps young mums, parents at home, who maybe sometimes just want a little bit of adult conversation, um, you know, drop the children off to school and then pop out, visit somebody for an hour or so, and then pop home again. Equally, it can help, um, it could be a very useful role for people perhaps who are newly retired, you know, an active retired person who's looking for that something else to do, something else to keep them engaged in their community. And then what do you do once you're in the house? What, you make a cup of tea, have a chat, read to them, that kind of stuff? Yes, yes. Um, you know, as, as um, Adele mentioned, she plays crosswords. It might be reading a bit of essential correspondence. Um, if you're partially sighted, knowing when you've got a next medical appointment, perhaps, could yeah. be really important to you. So a little help with correspondence, um, a chat. Um, it really lifts people's spirits just to have somebody going in, making time for them, time to listen, time to talk. Um, it's a chance to share. Um, I know of several people who tell me they spend their week talking to the radio because there isn't anybody else. Um, and they just like that extra engagement. Many people report an extra lift. It's been very well documented, the detrimental effect on people's mental and physical well-being of being lonely, um, being isolated. Um, so the home visitor really plays a, a very critical role there. Well, Sally, listen, I, I think it's a cracking job that you're doing. Keep it up. Sally Marlowe from Site Concern Bedfordshire. If you want to become a volunteer for Site Concern, uh, you can either get in touch with us here at BBC Three Counties Radio or call this number 01234 264 023 01234-264-023. An hour a week, an hour a fortnight. That's not too bad, is it? You can manage that. Joyce is in Leegrave. Morning, Joyce. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Why have you called in? Well, uh, talking about visually impaired people, etc., etc. Yes. Sadly, my eyes went wrong a couple of years ago. Oh. And um, my... My argument was you try to be independent yes. uh, to the best of our possibilities. And the thing being... I wrote to the health minister with the help of Marsh Road Library ladies yes. uh, to say to him, uh, he's not there now, he's moved on somewhere, there's a new one at the moment, mm. but the thing was, I said, uh, I was coping, you cope best you can, it's very difficult, very hard, but if you've got the stamina, you'll try. But the thing being, I said, well, with physical disability, you get frames, uh, rising toilets, bath seats, yes. that on the other wheelchairs, and rightly so, when they paid for it and everything else all the years, um, because my mum's had it 12 years and it was wonderful. But for visually impaired people, all that we are given, little red stickers, which now we have to pay for. St- sorry, red... Little red-, red stickers to put on your numbers on your gas stove. Or on your washing machine. Um, and what do they do? So you can see them better? You No, you can feel oh, them. Oh, You can feel them to put your washer on where the little arrow goes. Okay, so you get some red stickers. Yeah, uh, that's right. And we get a little yellow thing which you put in your cup. So as when you put your boiling water in, it will ping when it comes to the left. <laughs> yeah, that's genius. <laughs> that is genius, isn't it? And we have a one magnifying glass. Oh, dear. And um, the thing is on a white stick. 
But the thing is, when I wrote, when well, we wrote um, to the health minister and yeah. said to make our lives more independent, please, please, why can't they supply visually impaired people with a bit more equipment? Yeah. E.g., like a laptop to you, oh. you lift, it, lift the oh. lid up and you put your, your letters in there yeah. and that would read them back. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I know. I know. We are more independent. And we what did the minister say? He said, uh, approach your social services. Oh. Yeah. That wasn't that's much right. good, was it? And social services then, after that, uh, well, we have to do a means test. Well, I call a means test. The older folk would call a means test. And if you're above that level, you can't. And this, uh, So they get a rough deal, I think. Joyce, what do, you, what do you think? I don't know if you heard Sally there from Sight yes, Concern and, and talking about volunteers going around for, yes. for an hour, a couple of hours a week, reading, yes. making a cup of tea, doing crossword puzzles. Do you have anything like that? No, no, because I, I try to be more independent, to yep. be quite honest. I bought a push-along trolley, shopping trolley. Yep. I've had bigger wheels put on it, <laughs> quite with it, you know. Yeah, so you and sound very with it. The thing is... If I miss the curb, yeah. right, yeah. my wheels tell me when I'm at the end of the pavement. Right. It's a great help. How bad is it? Can you see at all, or are you completely yes, blind? I can, yes, I can see. Yeah. Um, my vision is not short and long-sighted. It's, it's bad vision at the back of the eye. I've had right. laser beams and retina trouble. Oh uh, so consequently, why can't visually impaired people try to help uh, in that way. Yeah. It's okay ha- giving helpers, but why can't they have them make independent? Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I do have talking newspapers, which are excellent. Yep. On a cassette. And how important... Listen, Joyce, I don't want to blow my own trumpet. No, go on. Partly because I haven't got one. But how important is my show to the blind community? Well, I'm ringing in all the time, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> excellent. So, I, in, in many ways... Without I, you, I couldn't... Uh, to be honest... It would be very boring because watching telly all the time makes your eyes ache, your headache, and the radio is a lifeline. And I please, please um, emphasise that you do do a good thing. And the thing is, we want to know what's going on in the community. Joyce, we're doing now. Very quickly, could you just—I don't want to put words in your mouth—but could you just say, Ian Lee really helps blind people? Sorry. Could you just say, Ian Lee really helps blind people? Well, he does. That's why I rang in, because that's the only way we can get communication through you. Joyce, you're a legend. Thank you very much for calling in. There you go, you see. That's your next trail. (sighs) BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Catherine, I don't know if you uh, heard, just before the news uh, at the top of the hour there, uh, a blind lady called in um, and said that I was very important. Well, Uh, no, hang on a minute. Sorry? You asked her to say that, didn't you? And then she said... The radio is very important to her. Yes, I am the radio personified. Oh, right, okay. So I have helped um, members of the, uh, the, the community who are perhaps have got damaged vision. Just wondered what, what you'd achieved this morning, Catherine. What have I done? I've just thought a lot about horses. Wow. Says it all. to listen this is ian lee bbc three counties radio i i have it on good authority is flipping cold out there don't even bother i tell you what kids i'm handing out an ian lee bunk off school pass you're all allowed to bunk off school for the day and if your parents or teachers get stroppy you say oh yeah but the bloke on the radio said uh, and i work for the bbc so that's official there's nothing they can do to stop me coming up 
in the last hour of the show. Families in Luton say they will go to court to fight plans to force them out of the homes they rent. They knew they were on a short-term tenancy, so do you have any sympathy for them at all? Well, I've got two of them in the studio, we'll be talking to them next. And also, remember we told you about the fire which started at a recycling plant in St Albans two months ago? Well, guess what? Yeah, it's still burning. In the next half an hour, we'll find out why it's taking so long to put out. And what meat would you draw the line at eating? Investigations are underway to try to find out how beef burgers on sales in, uh, sale in supermarkets became contaminated with horse meat. But really, a meat to meat to meat, isn't it? You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send a text 81333, start your text 3CR. Or you can give us a call that we've got a couple of lines free right now. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Families in Luton say they'll go to court to fight plans to force them out of the homes they rent near Junction 11 of the M1. The properties were brought by the uh, hi- bought, sorry, by the Highways Agency around 20 years ago, and it's planning to sell them. A notice to quit is due to be served uh, on 30 houses. Well, in a minute, we're going to hear from Luton Borough Council's portfolio holder for housing, uh, uh, Labour Councillor Tom Shaw, shortly. But first, in the studio, two of the residents affected. We've got Brian Fraser of Belper Road. Morning, Bri- uh, Brian. Good morning. And we've got Carol Hover of Bradley Road. Good morning, Carol. Hiya. Uh, it's still cold out there, is it? It is very cold. OK, now, Brian, you did know that the houses might be sold at some stage, didn't you? When we first, well, when I first moved into my house, which was in 1996, we were made, we were told then it would be a rolling tenancy. There's years and years gone by when I've never signed a tenancy agreement. The last one I signed was in 2002, I believe. Mm. Uh, we were aware that the houses were owned by the highways agency uh, or the Ministry of Transport was, was at the time and uh, at some point they may be required or some land may be required for widening of the motorway some houses may well have had to be knocked down as well but now the houses have become surplus to requirement that's all that has happened and there's people who have lived in houses for years and years the government want to sell the houses for profit mm. Systematically over the years, they've evicted people for no reasons, left houses lying empty for long, long periods of time, mm. boarded up, vandalised. Now they're going to force 30 families out, put a massive burden on Luton Borough Council to rehouse these families. Mm. And that will only happen when the people are actually evicted. The, the, the day those people are evicted, that's when Luton Borough Council will step in to help, not before. Carol, how does this, this make you feel? Well, at the end of the day, I've been a, a Crown tenant with the Highway Agency for 19 years. Mm. And they, they bought my house uh, back in 1995 for £64,000. I've paid on a, on, a, on a level of £450 a month, say, for 18 years. That's £97,200. Mm. And the house is on the market for £150,000 which obviously I'm, I can't afford to buy that. But at the end of the day, it's I've got five children, mm. myself and my partner, and it's just not... Well, there's nowhere to go. You know, a lot of us, not just speaking for myself, but a lot of the other tenants I've been around to see, they're old, some of them are old, so they've, they've, they've not got the money, the savings, to move on to another house to put down the deposit. If you get kicked out, w- w- what's going to happen? Well, this is it. Where are we going to go? When you ring the council, they say, 
we have no money, we have no more houses, mm. we can't do anything. You know, you just... But the council would, it would be their responsibility to rehouse you, wouldn't yeah. it? But yeah. they, would, they would have to when find we're on somewhere. The street, when we're on the street and we've given the keys back and we've right. got a three-bedroom house on the street with five children. Right. You know, that, this, that's just, that you can't take 19 years and then just issue somebody with two months to get out. It's just not right. It's just not right. Brian, what, what options have you got in this situation? First options are legal options. Uh, I was previously, the government tried to evict me seven years ago and they did obtain a possession order in Luton County Court. Uh, I managed, I had a solicitor at the time and we managed to hire a barrister and we went down the route of, of uh, judicial review into the Crown Tenancies because Crown Tenancies are very old. I think they were written over 300 years ago mm. and they're not applicable to modern day times. Uh, that's one route. Uh, we spoke to, between me and Carol, spoken to most of the tenants, and most of the tenants are going to ignore the notice to quit and yeah. go to court because we don't have any choice mm. in that respect. You know, we, the council aren't going to help us until we're actually homeless on the street. Yeah. They will only help us under the Homeless Persons Act. Mm. Uh, so we don't have any choice in that respect. How would you fund that? Because that's going to be expensive going to court, isn't it? It will be expensive. We it's a case of everybody trying to ch- chip in what they can, yeah. uh, speaking to solicitors and trying to make them aware of our situation. Yeah. Uh, I've already spoken to a solicitor in town, uh, and hopefully they're going to help us. OK, well, we invited the Highways Agency onto the show, but they declined. In a statement, the agency says it's phasing the sale of homes to avoid flooding the local property market. It's keeping the residents informed in accordance with their rental agreement. Are they c- keeping you informed? No. No, not They've really. They've gone about it very sneakily. Some of the people didn't even realise that it was happening until the for sale signs were going up and it was sold, 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 sold. You know, it's just not... It's just... It's just not right. OK, we can, uh, we can talk to Luton Borough Council's portfolio holder for housing, Councillor Tom Shaw. Morning, Tom. Tom, are you there? Where's Tom? Tom. Tom, are you there? He's disappeared. We'll try and get uh, Tom back. Uh, so this, this must be really stressful, you carry. You say you've got five kids. Yes. How is it affecting you? Well, it's going it's to uproot the whole house. It's going to have to move the, wherever we get moved to. Um, the children in and out of schools. You know, the, the community that, that's come around that area now is, you know everybody after all these years, everybody knows your children, you know other people. But it's not just me. You see, there's all the other tenants. There might be one person in that property. There might be an old person in another property. You know, and, and the thing is, people haven't got the money to put mm. down on the deposit to move. You see, it's going to cost a lot of money to upfront your two and a half months on your next property. The, the deposits that we put down all them years ago is nothing compared to what you need to have to put down now. Okay, I think we've got Tom Shaw back on the line. Morning, Tom. Morning. Tom, you've heard the stories there. How can the council help? Uh, well, everything that's been going on up there, the the highways agency just wants shooting. We've been talking to people for the last two or three years about us buying the properties. Hello? Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, we've been talking to people about two or three years about the properties coming to us. It's like the highways agency acting like Rackmanites from the 60s. The only reason they want the people out is so they can get more money for the properties. Yep, yep. Exactly. Yep. But, but, it, 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 let me play devil's advocate for a second, Tom. Why, why should they act as a charitable organisation? They, they need to make their money back, don't they? Uh, yeah, but they made the money back because they changed yep. the way they, they, ch- they bought the properties. They bought the properties so that, uh, the motorway could be widened mm. with an extra lane on it. Yep. They had no reason to buy the properties with the new design. I know some of the properties were blighted, but we asked them two and a half years ago 
look, if these properties have got people in them, uh, you're going to cause major problems for the people who live in the property, so sell them to us. We even put a deal together with an housing association where they could do the properties up with apprentices from one of the local colleges. But they still turned us down. They just don't want to talk to us about us taking the properties over. But again, surely... The, all the problems. Surely, and just to play devil's advocate again, surely they, it's within their rights to sell them, isn't it? The, the, the agreements are that they can sell them, and, and they would want to make as much profit as possible, wouldn't they? Well, but, sell them to the council. We're sitting tenants in them. Yeah. But you, they would sell it, you would want it being... And we'll pay the money. You'd want it, would you buy them at the market value that they're selling them for? No, we'd buy them at the market value with a sitting tenant in them. Right. That's what we'd do. Which would be less. With, yeah, it'd be less, but we'd be out some of the people out there. Yeah. But this is how stupid <laughs> the old system is. The Department of Transport will get their money in. A lot of these people end up in bed and breakfast. Brian, you're yeah. going to say. Brian, you're going to say something. Yeah. Uh, the agency. Yeah, so hang, hang on a second, Tom. Tom, hang on a second. Brian's just just going to have a quick word. Go on. The hiring agency sort of lost the right to make profit on these houses. By the way, they've treated the houses and the years that they've owned them. There's properties that have lain empty, neglected. They've yeah. evicted so many tenants. Then the house is laid empty for four or five years. Become damp, become run down. Mm. They've then relet the house. And there's people in those houses now who have spent thousands of pounds mm. of their own money yep. bringing that house up to standard. Yep. How, why should the housing agency be able to make profit from those people's hard work when they've so neglected properties? Yeah. They gave us a house and we've made it our home. Mm. That's, they've they've but come that's, in and done anything. We spoke to a chartered surveyor earlier on who, who said that the highways agency has to give two months' notice. Uh, uh, that's a, the standard requirement. And said the agency has no, op- has no option in selling back the property. They don't, they're, they're doing everything that they need to do legally. Yeah. Why should they treat you differently? Yeah, but there's no compassion in what they're doing to the families. There's, uh, they're not showing any... There's other, there's other solutions to this, Ian. The, the, like Tom says, the, the properties could be sold to the local authority who could then yeah. manage them, or a local housing authority who could then manage them far better than the highways agency yeah. have done. It's, it's just... It's immoral. It's maybe, it may be legal for them to sell, to sell them the way they're selling them, but it's totally immoral. Brian, what's, what's the next stage? What happens next? The next stage is we will all be selling notice to quit within the next two weeks, probably something that next week I would imagine, and then there'll be 30 attempts... As you can see, yeah. the government may say they're phasing these, but that's everybody who will be serving notice to quit on that list. And that's the list of everybody yeah. there. That's all their addresses. But that's only within our two, two to three mile radius of where we live now. Right. That's without all the other properties that are going to be affected that some people haven't got the strength to fight. Mm. You know, and, and, and st- we're all in the same boat at the end of the day. And the thing is, all we've got to say is that if we don't get what we want, obviously mm. we're going to put up a fight. I've got to put up a fight. I'm going to put up a fight for a lot of other people. Mm. And... We'll just have to make it go national. We'll have to go in the papers okay. properly. Well, listen, we'll follow this story. Thank you very much for coming in and braving the cold weather. Uh, Tom, thank you very much as well for your time. So I have a theory. Yeah, yes. That it's you, David Prever. What's that? One, one final question, sir. Are mm-hmm. you poisoning all of the, the three counties yes. presenters? Yes. You're like the supply teacher that comes in, and everyone likes the supply teacher. Yeah, yes. Have you, you, you taken JVS out again? Never mind the horse meat. You check your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair play to you. Listen, yeah. it's a tough business. You've got to get You've work to do what you, you can. do. If people won't take lots of holidays so I get work, I have to force them in to leave. Exactly. Well, Jonathan is very poorly, and yes. you've described what, what he's going through. Let's leave, Let's it, at leave that. it at that, shall we? Uh, what have you got coming up on the show? 
today. Oh, well, it's a lovely pun for a, a line from John Prescott just now on the on the Twitter machine saying that uh, it's indicative of the, of the British condition that we react to horse meat in our food chain by making jokes. There's yep. gags everywhere. Yep. Facebook, Twitter, just full of jokes about people ending up in hospital and all sorts of things. Well, uh, I heard the hospital. Yeah, it's quite a good one, isn't it? Yeah, people in a stable condition and yeah. on and on and on it goes. It's fantastic. Anyway, uh, does it bother you what's in your meat? I've eaten horse. Have you eaten horse? I'm vegetarian. Yes, yeah, so but I, I don't see the difference. A, a, a horse is the same as a pig. Is a cow is a lamb. What's the difference? No problem at all. It's very weird. And we've eaten horse in this country. In, uh, in Yorkshire, they used to eat horse up until the 1930s. Yeah, I bet they Which tells you all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, investigations are underway as to how these beef burgers on sale in the UK were contaminated with horse meat. Uh, it's at Tesco's. These have been sold, it seems. Does it bother you what's in your meat? We'll ask that question after nine this morning. What's in your meat, David? Uh, there's a lot of puns here. What's in my meat? Nothing. I'm veggie. Are you veggie? Yeah, I'm veggie as well, yeah. Oh, I didn't know well, that. Well, pescatorian, if you really want to be... Uh, yeah, oh, uh, get out. Are you, you pescatorian? No, I'm a veggie. I don't eat meat or fish. Nothing at all. No, of course. You're not vegan, are you? You're not fruitarian. No, I'm not, I'm not a vegan. They're weird. Tomatoarian. <laughs> what's wrong with a bit of cheese? <laughs> Come on, we all have cheese. Well, you know what's in the cheese? Oh, I don't what's know. What's in the uh, cheese? Uh, thank you very, very much indeed. In beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to get in touch, and we, we send our best to JVS, of course. If you want to get in touch with David, send him an email, jvsshow at BBC. Put your name, your phone number, maybe a line about what you want to say, and I'm sure someone will get back in touch with you at some point this morning. People living near a fire at a wood recycling plant on the outskirts of St Albans are still on generators two months after the blaze broke out. Do you remember November? We were banging on about it all the time. It was huge. Well, the risk to overhead power cables means the electricity supply had to be turned off. Fire officers say the cause of the blaze on Saturday the 10th of November was accidental. At its height, Hearts firefighters were at the site around the clock with more than a 1,000 officers deployed there over a two-week period. Earlier on, Justin Dealey spoke to the District Commander for Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service, Ian Markwell. And yes, it is still smouldering away, unfortunately. The, uh, the huge pile of material we've been dealing with is down to the, the embers now, but it's still a very substantial pile of embers. We've given some more equipment to the site earlier this week. We've now got a tactic of trying to spread the material as thin as possible across the ground that's been cleared. And we're hopeful now that probably within the next week or two we can really now dampen down the worst of what's there and, and the operators on site are looking to try and remove the, the worst of the ash that's, that's left. Weren't we saying that back in mid-November? <laughs> uh, I'm afraid we were, yes. And then the worst of the fire is out, but it is uh, a smouldering pile that will still take some time to deal with. And is that because of weather conditions like wind? Is that why it's lasted so long? Uh, it, it, partly that, but it, it's mainly it's just it's a huge pile of burning material. In uh, I think as we discussed back in, in November and December, a large pile of wood like this does take some time to burn down and, and, and then eventually for us to, to finish off. Well, Justin Dealey also spoke to local resident Marlene Pincott. We've had this complaint about this place for so many years and they've done absolutely nothing about it. They keep taking him to court and fining him and he keeps on carrying on doing the same thing. So I think it's about time they pulled their finger out and actually did something to the company um, that keep flouting the rules that they make on him. You and other residents said this was an accident waiting to happen. For those that don't know the area, you're quite isolated. It's just your house which is opposite this. You're very, very close to it. Your home is on the market. I presume you've had no takers whatsoever. No, none at all. Um, and even though the house looks isolated, there are other neighbours down the lane that are also on generators. One of my neighbours has had her fields contaminated. She's had to move her horses. So even though we are a rural community, um, there are still quite a few of us affected by this. But nobody at this moment in time is saying, nice house, I'll take that. No, absolutely not. They say nice house, but uh, that's as 
far as it goes. You simply can't take any more? No, absolutely. Um, after about ten years, we've had enough. Well, we have been trying to get the uh, company that owns uh, the uh, Wood Recycling Centre on the show for ages. We got really close to it, and then we didn't. Well, Ron Tyndall is a Liberal Democrat county councillor for nearby Hemel Hempstead. Uh, Ron, how concerned are you about this? Uh, Very concerned. Not so much in the way that the fire service are dealing with it, because once it was a light, they couldn't do much else but just do what they're doing, and they've been very good at it. What I'm particularly concerned about is, as you've just heard from a local resident, as to why it was allowed to go on as long as possible as it has, why the pile just got higher and higher, and and what is the inspection regime, how efficient is it, and surely there must be uh, some means of of controlling these sites. Uh, After all, everybody rages about health and safety, but in this particular case, health and safety is a primary uh, issue. I remember, Ron, and we should try and get this guy back, we had a councillor on who said that they looked into... um uh, legal action before the fire started, but it would take too long. And if I'm, I'm paraphrasing, if I've got this wrong, I apologise. He said it would take too long. The legal process was so long, it wasn't worth pursuing. Yet, two months after the fire, we've got people like Marlene who are still living on a generator. Yes, I know. Uh, the thing is, legal action does take a long time, and also it's quite expensive, but at the end of the day, you have to weigh up against the, uh, the the nuisance and, and the possible dangers to mm. local residents. After all, who knows what carcinogens are going we, into We have atmosphere. tried to get uh, Hearts County Council back on the show, but as investigations are continuing, they were unable to comment today. We will keep chasing them, because I, I, I remember at the time being very disappointed that they hadn't pursued the legal action for whatever reason. Mm. Are you shocked that this actually happened in the first place, Ron? Uh, I think it was an accident waiting to happen, because, after all, uh, I think most intelligent people know about spontaneous combustion. Uh, hay ricks go up if uh, if they're, you know, in certain circumstances, as that wood pile got higher, uh, obviously generates heat, and therefore uh, one would have thought that unless the pile was... Was, was controlled, uh, it, it, it could have been predicted, I would have thought. Do you think it could happen again? Uh, I don't know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past it. The trouble is, of course, uh, as was heard earlier with, uh, uh, on Radio 4 with Paul Bustow and the Winterbourne Care Home and management escaping punishment. Unfortunately, it's the workers who get caught every time. Uh, management seems to uh, get away with it, and then, lo and behold, they start up another company somewhere else. OK, well, listen, we have to leave there, because you've mentioned a story that uh, I have very little knowledge of, and I don't, uh, we have to tread carefully in all of these things. I'm not quite sure we, why we went off on a tangent there. Uh, Ron Tyndall, Liberal Democrat County Councillor for nearby Hemel Hempstead. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. And we're talking about um, the uh, the rented homes earlier on um, that uh, families in Luton say they're going to go to court to fight plans to force them out of the homes they rent near Junction 11 of the M1. They're owned by the Highways Agency. They were bought about 20 years ago. Some of these families have lived in them for 20 years uh, and they're being booted out, basically. Rachel from Bedfordshire is on the line. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. Do you, Hello. Uh, do you have any sympathy for, for these residents? They're, they're, their families um, being kicked out of their homes. Well, to be honest with you, no. I mean, I work in housing at the moment, and I don't think, I don't have any sympathy. And the reason for 
because um, when they moved into their property, they would have been, um, you know, they would have signed an agreement and they would have been told um, that in the future, in the near future, that they, you know, there would have been plans that would have been made, um, you know, in respect to the M1 um, and so forth. You know, they would have they would have been told this in the beginning when they signed up to their tenancy agreements and so forth um, that there may be a possible chance that they would have to move on. So that's the reason I believe why the um, a notice to quit has, has been served. They would have been fully informed of everything along the way. But some of those people, Rachel, we heard from Carol, who's got f- five kids and she's lived there for yeah. nineteen years and she spent thousands making yeah. that house her home. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, I don't know what kind of tenancy agreement that they had signed, whether it was um, an assured shorthold, um, an assured tenancy, a a license, Um, but they would have been informed. I mean, that's the main thing. It's like with any contract that you sign and that you're fully informed of, um, you can't go back and say, well, actually, I've changed my mind. I want to stay here. And I can understand Mm. that they've been there for a very, very long time. If they knew what was going on and what may potentially have happened in the future, they should have made other plans to actually move on elsewhere get on the housing register um state what what is happening um you know and and obviously you know take it from there we spoke Um, to a councillor who was um disappointed that the highways agency would not sell the uh the properties to the council at at mates rates at 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 below market value should the highways agency sell them below market value to the council I mean, yes, but I, I believe that the council are not able to take them because they don't have a budget for taking on um, those properties, and that they're well within their right. I mean, if a highway highways agency want to sell on those properties and they want to, um, you know, expand, um, that then then why not? Why can't they do that? Why do they have people who are fighting something that they would have been informed of in the first place? Um, I, I, I personally don't understand, it, and I work with with tenants all the time, and sometimes what I see. Is, is, is a lot of people who, who you know, who, who want more that, that, than, that, than is expected. I understand it's their home. I understand that a lot of people have lived there for many, many years. But they would have been and should have been, and I believe have been informed of everything that, that would have been going on throughout the years and the period of time in their property. So why has it come as a surprise now that the highways agency are taking back those properties, um, you know, to obviously expand the motorway? They would have been informed of that. It's for them to get in contact with their council or let them know what's going on you know, and obviously, um, you know, to be on the um, the choice based waiting um, list, and and to bid for properties ac- accordingly, and a property where they're able to get a tenancy, to have a tenancy, whether it's secure, whether it's uh, you know um, an assured tenancy, where they can live in the property for as long as possible. Rachel, we have to end it there. Thank you very much. Well, Rachel has no sympathy at all for the tenants in Luton by the M1 Junction 11. She says they would have known all about it. They would have known that it was never going to be a permanent thing. Is she right? Or is she being a bit harsh? On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I know it's slightly out of our region, but there are pictures on the internet of a helicopter crash in London. And it's, um, it's quite a shocking thing. Um, uh, but yes, it's not, it's not in the three counties, but it's happening, and um, we'll have a little look at that later on. Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show before David Priva... Horse meeting, your sausages and your burgers in Tesco and Lidl and indeed others. Are you that shocked by it? Where would you draw the line? Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Uh, Tony's from Milton Keynes. Tony, are you shocked about horse meat and burgers? Yeah, absolutely. Why? Um, because the meat that's, uh, the, the, ho- the, the horses that are used in this country for domestic purposes, yeah. for riding and things, 
um, are treated with wormers that once the horse has been treated with wormers make the horse meat unfit for human consumption. Why? What, 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 what would the wormers do if I ate, um, if I ate them? Well, it's the, it's the chemicals in there. I don't believe it's an immediate effect, but right. it's, uh, it's an acc- accumulative effect. So if you, you know, if you ate horse meat on a regular basis with wormers in, then obviously, but the, the fact that it's, you know, it's, um, using the wormers renders the meat unfit for human consumption. Well, Tony, hang on, stay there, because Richard's called it. Richard, you've called in with a similar thing, have you? Yeah, well, I'm saying most of the horse is Richard, sorry, is your, is your mouth in the same room as the telephone? Sorry? That's yeah. better. Yes, thank you. Well, 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 what was going on there? Were you underwater? Almost. Okay, go on. I'm in my bathroom. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'm glad you, you added the word room to the word bath. Okay. So you, you've got a similar point as, uh, to Tony, have you? Yeah. What, what happens, as all horses are pets in this country... They're not put down for no reason. Quite often they're given loads and loads of painkillers and loads and loads of medicine before they die. Yeah. And quite honestly, uh, what happens here, if you want to have a horse uh, put to sleep or take to the knackerman, you have to pay to have it taken away. Right. So you don't get anything for the, And the reason is because it's got all this stuff in, so it's unfit for human consumption. Now, all the horses I deal with, they're all wormed, as, as your other listener uh, says there. There's no way that you could eat these animals. Um, all horses have got a passport, and all these medicines are recalled. Whoa! Hang on a second. What did you just say? All horses have got a passport. A passport? A passport, With yeah. a picture in? It, well, it's got a description of the horse, and it's got a picture. Most have got a, a, a picture. A photo? Uh, <laughs> Tony, yeah. did you know this? That, that horses have passports with photos in? Uh, well, it's been a while since I had a horse, but uh, my horse was freeze-marked, which is like a security mark on the mm. on the, on the, uh, the coat of the animal, which is obviously registered and, yeah. you know, yeah. um, leads lead back to you. Yeah. It's compulsory to have a microchip for a horse, oh. so every horse can be identified. And right. in the photo on this passport, Richard, does the horse yeah. have to be looking straight at the camera without smiling? Almost. Right. Almost, yes. This is incredible. I mean, all my horses have got um, uh, pictures. What happened, you would take a picture of your horse, yeah. and then, but a vet has to actually fill this passport form in, yeah. and then the actual picture is then sent to the passport. And then can you take the horse, like, on Eurostar or something? How does it... You uh, can... Certainly can, right. But the thing is, though, it records all what the horse has had in yeah. the passport. So okay. it would be its vaccinations, it would be yeah. uh, uh, all the medicines it's had for this, this reason, right? Yeah. Um, and that should be Europe-wide, that is a European directive. Wow. Now, in this country, it's enforced really well. But I would guess in other countries, yeah, not. those European countries, look at the state they're in. Richard and Flittick, Tony from Milton Keynes, thank you. Well, there you go. Who knew that horses had passports with photos in? I didn't know that. And you can take them on the Eurostar. He's winding me up now, surely. Um, on Facebook, your comments on this horse meat in sausages and burgers. David, it don't bother me. I'm pretty sure I had it served in France. It was OK. You would remember if you'd eaten horse, David. Kane says, Trade Descriptions Act. They sold an item that wasn't as described. That's all, that's all that would annoy me, really. If I buy something, I would want it to be what it was described on the packaging. I wouldn't want to buy fillet, cheek or tenderloin, and end up with shank, rump or belly. Shank, rump or belly? Weren't they the three stooges? Oh, I'm getting confused there. Hang on a second. Right. Well, investigation... The reason we're talking about this is because investigations are underway to find out how beef burgers were contaminated with horse meat. In one sample from Tesco, horse flesh accounted for approximately 29% of the meat content. 
Tesco has uh, apologised to customers and the Food Standard Agency's meeting later to discuss the problem. Well, we've sent our horse correspondent, Justin Dealey, to Tesco in Hemel Hempstead this morning. Morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. Um, the burger shelves here at Tesco's in Hemel, they're empty. Ooh. Uh, if you fancy a bird's eye burger, you're absolutely fine. I've taken a picture of the shelves. You'll see that on I our see. Facebook page very, very clever. soon. I would, say, I would suggest to Tesco, don't, don't empty the shelves. Mm. Just cut them into half price. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well try and get some money back. Looking for those bargains. Which well, you know what I did this morning? I played a crafty game here, in actual fact. Oh, yeah. I walked into Tesco's and I got a basket. And I went to the Burger Bap section. Yes. So I've got lots of Burger Baps, so I've put those in the basket oh, yeah. so it doesn't look too suspicious. No. I've then gone over to somebody and I've said, uh, excuse me, I've got a, a burger party at lunchtime today. <laughs> I'm looking for the Tesco Value Burgers. Uh, those are the ones which contain 29.1% horse meat. And she says, oh, let me have a look. Um, no, they're not there. They must have been taken off. Um, any reason why? Um, no. Can I get some later on? Um, no, sorry, sir. And that was the end of that. I thought, well, why are you not telling me that? So, Isn't it I, funny? You're having a burger party at lunchtime. I'm having a bat party at lunchtime. <laughs> We're okay, then. Yeah. Um, but I went back ten minutes later, and I posed the same question as somebody else, and they said, sorry, sir, they've been taken off. You may have heard about it in the national uh. press. They do contain horse meat. So for the time being, we will not be selling those. Lots of reaction coming in. Uh, you'll hear some of that from earlier, but uh, joining me live here in our radio car is Jenny. Jenny, you've just come out of Tesco's there. This story this morning, it does surprise you. You make your own burgers. Is that because you don't trust what's in a supermarket burger? Yes, basically. Um, you can't really tell what's on the list at the back, and some of those things on the back you've never heard of. Mm. But I've always made my own because it's actually cheaper. But horse meat is still meat. Is there anything wrong with, with eating horse meat? Yes, they're my well, they've been our pets in the past. I'm not going to eat a pet. <laughs> so that would make you feel quite ill. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, a last word on, on pet passports. Um, Ian was talking there about horses having passports. The horses that you own, did they have a passport? Yes or no? No, they didn't. No. no. I'll just imagine the photograph. <laughs> I, I've, I've just been told, Justin, yeah. that yeah. cows have passports too. Okay. Sheep, sheep don't. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting stuff. <laughs> Jenny, thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to, to sampling one of your homemade burgers at some point. So, reaction there from Jenny. A lot of people in shock this morning. Here's some more reaction from customers earlier on, Ian. Margaret, again, a bit like many are waking up to the news this morning. What's your reaction to this? I think it's disgusting. It should have been picked up ages ago. Does it surprise you, though? Um, No, not really. Not really, because you don't know what's in some of these burgers. Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's not surprising that we we do things like this, and the cheaper the the food, that's what it's all about, really, the amount of money that... uh, and if horses are cheaper, that's what they use. In saying that, though, the thought of eating horse meat, does that make you feel quite ill? Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to. Knowingly, I wouldn't want to. And what about your wife? She would hate it. Really? She would hate it. She would go mad if she found out. Sarah, you're a vegetarian, but you're not shocked by this news at all. Tell us why. I think it was waiting to happen. They import meats from other countries and their regulations might not be as stringent as, as ours. And this, unfortunately, isn't anything to do with our food chain and point of entry, but it's what happened in preceding that. So, give us your reaction to the news you're hearing this morning. Absolutely dumbfounded. I'd be horrified if, I, if, I'd, if I'd bought the burgers and you were telling me that this morning. So, if you were to eat a burger that you thought was a beef burger oh. and then you found out it contained 29% horse meat, if somebody had told you that after you'd eaten that burger, would you be ill? Very ill. I would be, very ill. 
But what's the difference, though, between eating horse meat and, let's say, steak? What's the big difference? Horse meat and steak? Oh, a big difference. I think it's just the thought of maybe the meat coming from the... Like, thinking about horses. Yeah. yeah. So in this country, as far as you're concerned, we don't eat horses. That's the way it's going to yeah, stay. That's, that's the way it's going to stay. It's just Definitely. the wrong thing to do. Definitely. I don't get it, Justin. Mm. I, don't get the, I don't get what the problem is. They, they eat horses um, in France, which is just a few miles away from us. Horse is like a cow. It's not a pet. It's yeah, not but, a cat. But the thing is that that's people's choice, though, isn't it? If you want to go out and you want to, to eat horse meat, that's your choice. You're going out to buy that. If you're buying a beef burger and you yeah. think you're buying a beef burger, you should be getting a beef burger. In actual fact, the uh, staff here at Tesco's have just come out and said, uh, can you kindly move on, please? So I'm going to have to move in a second. But, but it's people's... Yeah, perception. When you go and buy something, you expect that you're buying what it says on the packet, not something else. Those people this morning certainly feel uh, they've been cheated, and they certainly feel horrified by the news we're all waking up to today. Why are Tesco trying to get rid of you? Because we haven't got permission to be here, quite frankly. Justin, so we're about to go. we'll say goodnight. Bye-bye. There we go. Justin Daly um, being where, of course, he shouldn't be. But, but the thing about eating, that, of course, you, you know, you want the food. I <laughs> feel sorry for Justin getting booted off. You want the, they, they didn't have permission, by the way, to put horse meat in their burgers. I, I would use that as a comeback, Justin, if I were you. You want what's, what it says on the packet. So if it's a beef burger, you want beef, right? Even though you know you're getting L&A. But, I don't see what the problem is with eating horse per se. Because it's just another animal that lives on a farm. It's farmed and it's reared. What, what, is it because they've got... Is it if they look more human? Is that what worries you? Is that why we don't eat monkeys? Because they look human? Horses look more human than cows, don't they? They look intelligent. They have a, a spark behind their eyes, whereas cows have dead eyes. Sheep look quite intelligent, though, don't they? Puppies? 08459 455 555. I don't want to do that. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Because, you know, we can, we can do that any day. I, I do want to know where you would draw the line, though. The dogs. Because they eat, they eat dogs in Korea. Korea, one of the most advanced technological countries in the world, South Korea, and they, they eat dogs there. What's wrong with it? I bet they're a bit stringy. They eat, well, they eat snails and frogs in France. That, I find that more disgusting than horse and dog. Sna- frogs look flipping horrible when they're cooked up. Frogs' legs, they look disgusting. Those little baby octopuses you get in, in I remember a friend of mine had a salad. It had little baby octopuses in, or squids or something. Why would you eat that rubbish? I would rather eat a dog's thigh than an octopus any time of the day. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Where would you draw the line at what you eat? Oh, I'm going to the travel. The travel may not be there. Let's find out. She's just dialing in now, Sophie Tyler. Now, families in Luton are saying that they will go to court to fight plans to force them out of homes they rent near Junction 11 of the M1. The homes are owned by the Highways Agency, and they bought them around 20 years ago. Well, Lisa is in Luton. Morning, Lisa. Good morning. Do do you feel sorry for for these tenants? I am actually presently one of these tenants. You are? Okay. Well, what's your story? um, I was actually the last tenant to um, move into one of these properties. Right. That was on the 31st of November uh, 2009. Okay, so you've only been there a few Um, years. Yes, I have, yeah. Um, My mother's also in one of these properties, and she's been in it 17 years. Did you know when you moved in, Lisa, that there was a chance that you'd be asked to leave? No, no, because the 
The highways agency had already started the works on the motorway. They'd already decided they weren't going to work on the motorway. Um, so all the tenants just presumed that they would be keeping their housing stock and we would be allowed to stay as long as we wanted to. But you must have known legally that they, that they had the right to, to sell these houses on. Yes, yes, I, I do understand that, you know, they do have a legal obligation to offer them back to, um, obviously, the, the previous previous owners because it was a compulsory purchase order you know i do understand why they are doing what they are doing um but you know unfortunately it's going to make a lot of people homeless and yeah. the council they you know they say they can't afford to buy these properties but can they really afford to put all these families into temporary accommodation how uh, who do you live with? have you got kids lisa who, who do you live with i have two children i'm a single mother um, i have two children one of which has adhd um I must admit, when I first rented this property, this was going to be my forever home until the children left home. Right. Um, uh, you know, it's a big upheaval for, yeah. for myself and my son and my daughter. How, how um, is it, how is it going to affect your family, you and your kids? Uh, well, the thing is, we don't get our... I mean, I have um, a deposit tied up in this property. I don't, I don't get the money back until approximately two weeks um, you know, after I've left the property, I don't then have money to go and secure somewhere else. Um, you know, I have, I have pets. I can't, it's just a big upheaval. My son obviously has ADHD and he needs to be kept into some sort of, you know, st stable routine. Um, it's just un unfortunate that there's a lot of, a lot of families. My friend, I mean, she lives on number seven, Abender Road, is, is in the same situation. And she suffers with uh, mental health issues. But Lisa, again, yeah. playing devil's advocate, when, when you talk about you, you're hoping this would be your forever home, and, and I know exactly what you mean by that, uh, but whenever, whenever you rent somewhere, there is always oh, the chance, yeah. isn't it, that that, that, that situation is going to change, that the landlord's going to want to sell it or move in or, you know, cash in or whatever. Yes, I am, I am, I am fully aware. You know, I've rented properties um, for quite some time now, so I am, I am fully aware of that. Um, it's just the way the tenancy, you know, and with it being an agency rather than a, a private let from a private landlord, mm. it kind of offered a bit more security. Well, Lisa, listen, I, I appreciate uh, you coming on the air. We'll be following this story, so, so keep listening to find out. Now, we've been talking about this. We, we, isn't it strange the way we work on this show? We're talking about going from housing to horse meat. Horse meat in burgers. Investigations are underway to find out how beef burgers were contaminated with horse meat. In one sample from Tesco, horse flesh accounted for approximately 29% of the meat content. Well, Tesco has apologised to customers and the Food Standards Agency is meeting later to discuss the problem. Nick Allen is from Eblex, the organisation for beef and lamb producers in England. Uh, Nick, what's your reaction to this? Well, to be honest, we're, we're, I think we're all a little bit incredulous at the moment, actually, as to uh, how and why this uh, this has happened. Uh, we're all going to be watching the investigation on this, of you, you know, um, sort of very, very closely. You know, I, I think a lot of industry experts are just sort of baffled as to um, not not. not you, so how this has happened, and also sort of why, you know, because the, the, the sort of it, 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 defi it defies logic. How, well, the, what, what possibilities are there? It, it can't have happened in this country, or, 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 or can it? 
No, well, I mean, the good, I think the good news here is that actually that certainly the, the Irish authorities who, who, who've revealed this and, and, and obviously sort of feeling this is uh, where, where the problem sort of started have really sort of got the bit between the teeth and actually are determined to actually get to the bottom of this. Appropriate so, choice of phrase there, yes. <laughs> yes. Just like we, a horse. We will, <laughs> we will uh, hopefully uh, get, um, uh, you, you know, get, get a, a full understanding of what's going on. Um, my speculation here is that, that you know, that, that it's Come, horse meat is obviously eaten uh, on on the on the continent mm. um, widely. Uh, that obviously some, some fillers have sort of come over from the sounds of it, mm. and um, uh, you know possibly sort of something's got mixed up. Really, I mean the, the good news here is that there's not a, a food sort of safety issue. It, it, you, you know, sort of. But having said that, this is this it does undermine trust, and uh, I think it's important actually that. Um, you know, we get to the bottom of what's going on. Nick, is the, is the problem that we, we, we just want really cheap meat? And I, my, my wife always says, if you want meat, the, it's worth spending a few quid on and eating it a bit bit less often. If you get cheap meat, this is what's going to happen, isn't it? So your, your wife is a very wise person, actually. I was going to Don't say, if, if I, if I, <laughs> if I had to say, what, what do I do? Uh, yes, I tend to sort of, you know, look at buying at the quality end. It doesn't matter what product you buy, and it's not just food, anything, actually. When you get down the cheaper end of the market you always there's always an increasing risk that actually some corners will be cut or something will will, will be done so on a personal basis yes i, I look for quality <laughs> and i suppose that we're quite lucky in that we can and we uh, my wife doesn't get meat too often but we, uh, t- we are in a situation where we can afford to, to, to get slightly more expensive uh, uh, meat but there are a lot of families who can't and they do depend i suppose on on these value products that that's right and that that's why it's important that actually you know we get to the bottom of this and actually sort of make sure that so people can sort of trust what it says i i mean as an aside what i also do on a personal basis i do tend to look for a mark something like this or the red tractor mark or the quality standard mark that actually what that tells me is that actually that company has been prepared to let someone independent from outside come in and actually look at their processes and look at it you can never overcome someone doing something illegal or something someone making a mistake but a company that's prepared to actually put a mark on that says this has been we've had someone in from outside an mm. independent order to come and look at this so on a personal basis i do tend to sort of to look for these um uh, marks something like the red tractor mark or the quality standard mark that tells you that actually someone independent has gone in there as well as the as well as on top of the regulatory authorities nick i appreciate your time nick allen from eblex as my my mum always used to say that those cheap sausages and burgers L and A. L and A. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, one thing I've learnt this morning, and I'm surprised to learn this, is that horses have passports. Jan, is this true? Yes, it is true. How do you know about this, and why do they have them? Okay, it's actually um, supposed to be a legal requirement uh, that horses have passports now and it's more to do with the transportation of them and also there's a section in the back of the passport uh, that the horse owner can sign to, to keep them out of the food chain. Oh, okay, right. So, so it's it's like in my um, driving license, I can tick a box saying yes, I'm I'm happy to be a kidney donor or something if I die in a car crash. You can mm-hmm. tick a box in the horse's passport saying don't eat my horse. Yes, uh, I mean mainly it's because, like one of your previous callers said, we give them wormers and we give them injections to protect them against flu and tetanus and what have you. 
Uh, and once these products are, well, once these drugs have been through the system, they can contaminate the meat, and so we need to keep them out of the food chain for that Okay, reason. a couple of questions. Can a ho- is a horse allowed to go on the Eurostar? <laughs> I'm sure it is, because they do go, tra- they do go all over the world. Horses. Really? They, they do, don't they? Yeah. Imagine a horse on the Eurostar, that'd be wicked, it would take up so many seats. Would you ever eat a horse, Jan? Uh, I have, yes. What was it like? It's really tasty, actually. Um, I mean, a lot of people will cringe. Uh, I, I, I've got horses. I love horses. Wow. Um, but I, I actually eat it when I go to Switzerland. That's like me eating a child. No, it's not the same. That's Is it not the same? You don't consider your horses to be, you know, kind of like your family members? No, I might look like a horse, but okay. I'm not a horse. <laughs> I'm sure you look, I'm sure you look, I'm sure you look wonderful, Jan. Uh, so you, you've got horses, but you, when you go to Switzerland, you're, you're more than happy to tuck into a nice bit of horse steak or, or a horsey sausage. Uh, not a sausage, because you just never know what else is in it. Yeah. Um, but, a, you know, a nice steak, yes, I have been known to do. Um, ostrich? I've eaten ostrich. Yeah. Crocodile? No. Would you eat a dog? No, probably not. Why? Um, I... Well, it's all down to choice, isn't it? Of course it is. I'm not... Yeah. Cra- supposing, supposing there's a puppy farm, right? And the puppy is just like a lamb. It's a baby dog. Well, lamb's a baby sheep. Uh, but... And, and these puppies have been well looked after, well fed, and they were so, so succulent on the barbecue. Would you not mm. have a, a, a puppy thigh? Probably not. Now, but then again, if I went to a country where they served it regularly on yeah. their menu, I might be tempted to try it just because it's a cultural thing. Yeah. Find uh, out what it's all about. Jan, listen, I, uh, I appreciate that. That's Jan uh, filling us in on horse passports. And uh, I've uh, been tweeted by Matt Allwright, yes, he, who says that um, you can get, d- d- that sheep, no, cows have to have passports and sheep don't. Well, there we go. We've learnt, we've learnt something, haven't we? I think we've learnt something. I don't know how useful it's going to be to anybody, but it's certainly things that we didn't know before. So that's learning. Well done, us. High five, team. Thank you very much, Sophie. Well, we made it, didn't we? Just about. Uh, I'm back tomorrow at six o'clock, nice and early. Jonathan's off, so filling in for him is David Priva. I'm sure, it'll be very entertaining. Until tomorrow, ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts, and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. We'll do our best over the next three hours.